Blog Talk Radio. Tell me one thing, Elliot. Are you a one or a zero? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you a yes or a no? Are you going to act or not? You've been staring at a computer screen way too long, homie. That's not that binary. Isn't it? Sure, there are grays. When you come right down to it, at its core, beneath every choice, is either a one or a zero. You either do something or you don't. You walk out that door, you decided to do nothing, to say no. Which means you do not come back. You leave, you are no longer a part of this. You become a zero. change the world, you become a yes, you become a one, so I'll ask you again, are you a one or a zero? You're traveling to another radio show, a broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio, with your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. get tired of that applause, folks, believe it or not. Guess what? Yet a umpteenth episode of The Grindhouse, courtesy of the folks of Afro Nerd Radio, the Afro Nerd Radio machine. The call-in number, you should know the drill, most certainly by now, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. So, look, we have a lot to get into. It looks like our lovely correspondent, Claire Lene, will not be available. At least she, she was a little murky about it because I, I would assume she has uh, other matters to attend to. These things happen. Sometimes we can't always appear for these things, but I'm sure she will be. If she can't come in today, I'm pretty sure she will be in for the following episode. So uh, our, our thoughts go out to Claire Lene and, of course, her doppelganger, <laughs> the uncanny Daryl B., I'm sure he's listening, but 
He is, for the duration, on our Wednesday show, the Midweek in Review edition of our program because of time constraints, work, and so forth. And I'm pretty sure the stars will realign themselves and we'll get the gang back together per usual. Anyway, a lot to get into. Um, I, I, you know, we failed to address a couple of topics a few shows ago, so I think we should bring, up, bring in the, uh, the cleanup crew. And kind of get into some of this stuff quickly. Um, I actually want to touch on. I also actually want to touch on um, some other issues with Netflix. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get into it. We'll, we'll get into Monique specifically. I'm not. I'm not really a supporter of Monique, but uh, she made the news recently by requesting that we boycott Netflix because of a, a failed deal. So when we talk about the uh, Dave Chappelle, Dave Letterman, we're going to have to include. Monique into the conversation. So we'll, we'll mix it up a little bit. And then we'll get into the blurdy comic book stuff as well. Anyway, people, you know a chief component of the Afro Nerd Radio Machine, the Grindhouse. We give you Herb Alt Groove, Black Rock most certainly, progressive hip-hop, jazz, uh, acid jazz, Afro-punk, all that good stuff. So let's go to Lenny Kravitz. Circus. From the circus, I was going to say LP. Do they, well, they still make LPs now. They're, they're, they're coming back. The circus LP, this cut's called Thin Ice. Thin Ice. Lenny Kravitz. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
right, pulling out the phaser once again, the mighty Lenny Kravitz, Finn Ice from the Circus LP. And we're back. This is the grind tell. Let's, let's just get into this thing. Captain, you need it on planet Vulcan again. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. It's all black to me, man. Let's get started. Um, well, you know what? Let me mention one quick thing. <laughs> uh, you know, no, no, let me save that. I'm going to save it for the Lucas Brothers conversation regarding the, uh, the Black Hogwarts, hashtag Black Hogwarts phenom from a few weeks ago, I think a week and a half ago. Hashtag Black Hogwarts was trending on Twitter. And um, I want to unpack on that uh, in a few moments. So let's, let's get into this deal with um, doing a little bit of cleanup from, from previous shows. And again, folks, you're more than welcome to join in if you like. Uh, just remember, when you do call in, just press 1. Press 1, that way we know that you want to join in on our discourse. Anyway, um, so I got a chance to check out the two Daves on Netflix. Dave Chappelle and, of course, Dave Letterman. Dave Letterman we know as the uh, legendary talk show host from Late Night with David Letterman. And I was thinking about his career, and I was thinking about the landscape of late night TV talk and how integral he was to that scene. And it's unfortunate that Arsenio Hall, he couldn't do his 2.0 in in an appropriate way. It kind of came and went. I think he was unable to expand in different markets. I mean, there was a reason um, why he couldn't come back. I mean, again, we're talking about over 20 some odd years and he left that show in in a somewhat infamous kind of way. So anyway, we're talking about David Letterman and I'm thinking about him in the sense that um, part of that competitive spirit with late night television had a lot to do with trying to reach to the stars where, um, where the tonight show was, you know, Johnny Carson was the king was the king of the late night scene for decades. And it was always that, that uh, golden ticket to be able to get that slot to get to to be to become the inheritor inheritor pardon me of that program so we know that the infamous bad blood in quotes between Jay Leno and David Letterman and Letterman was always trying to trying to get that gig not realizing that he had spent so much time, in my opinion not realizing that he had spent so much time with the late night show, that the late night show became its own institution. So he didn't, again, how I see it, he created his own legacy that someone can inherit it, inherit within its own right. So anyway, after many, many decades with his own imprint, he retired. And we thought 
some of us thought anyway that he was going to going to disappear completely. Uh, we saw that he grew this this ZZ top beard. He became more relaxed. Uh, just a different kind of rock star version of David Letterman. So somehow he was able to get a gig with Netflix. I don't know how much money they paid him, but I, I would assume it's some kind of retirement package. I mean, the man is already immensely wealthy. But Netflix, you know, I don't know what the stock stock price is on Netflix, but it's extremely high. So for the moment, pending these other stream streaming service uh, competitors, pending their arrival because they're coming for Netflix. Disney is coming for Netflix. CBS All Access, Amazon, they're coming for Netflix. Pending that, they're able to dole out some pretty hefty paychecks for certain people. So now we see that Letterman has his, has his own thing on Netflix. And from my understanding, he's going to be doing an, an interview a month. So his first episode, who else, who, who's a big get, would be someone else who has, who has retired at around the same time. And that's former President Barack Obama. And I, and I must say, I was impressed with the program as far as entertainment goes. Um, some information, but not a whole lot of information because um, I think Barack Obama has his own thing. You know, he has his own, his, his own um, wishes as to how he wants to disclose more of his personal affairs. So it was very, very entertaining, but somewhat limited. We we got we found some some information about the Obamas post his presidency and veiled talk about Donald Trump, which is this is basically kind of the obvious thing to do. I could tell that Mr. Letterman was itching to go in on that because of what, what we're dealing with now, um, you know, government <laughs> government stoppage and all that to make the civil rights connection. We saw uh, legendary civil rights leader John Lewis. He was there also, uh, walking um, walking across the, uh, the the Pettus Bridge, where he was famously beaten to a pulp. So th- to make that connection, he was walking. They showed footage, and he also uh, showed present day footage with David Letter- Letterman himself walking with Congressman Lewis. Uh, kind of re- recounting uh, what he experienced in 1964. So um, that bit of history, the gravitas of President Barack Obama, I could see President Barack Obama doing something. I wouldn't doubt that Hollywood might come calling to Barack Obama because he is so so much of a natural. He has natural comedic timing. I, I, I would like to see him in some other format. I don't know what it would be. I mean, you know, where do you go after you were the president? But he's a relatively young guy still. I, I, I would find it hard to believe that we wouldn't see him in some kind, some kind of format where he is informing people. Maybe something to do with television, something to do with Netflix. I, you know, that, <laughs> it's very conceivable that they would, they, would, and they would have to do this, ladies and gentlemen. They would just um, – back up the Brinks truck for that gentleman. But um, again, I I was really impressed with the exchange between these two gentlemen. And um, I think Howard Stern is up next, a few other notables. But it's off to a good start. I think this is – and, you know, uh, Letterman with the beard, it's a different Letterman somewhat. 
So I, I must confess that I, I dug what I saw for the Netflix for that Netflix imprint. Now going to Dave Chappelle quickly, Dave Chappelle is a beast. I mean he's one of those folks, and there's a rare quality to certain people who can leave leave entertainment for you know an extended length of time, length of time and then come back as if they never left the step. Now very few people have that ability. I suspect. Mr. Chris Rock has that ability. There's some musicians that D'Angelo was able to do this. There's some people that can that can come back because they're just that good, and there are enough people that they can garner that can garner the that they can garner that interest from to do that. So I, I was impressed with his specials. Now some folks are saying they didn't care for the two specials. I actually thought they were brilliant. His take on poor perspective voters you know i'm pretty sure many folks have seen the trailer for that or the the the, the quick snippet i thought that was masterful i thought that he was right on time um observational humorist he was vintage vintage dave Chappelle. i think they paid him a whole hunk of money so i'm i'm good with it i'm good with it now a side issue because of the kind of monies that Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, were, Chris Rock were able to get from Netflix, we see that um, comedian Monique, she, from what I'm hearing, she was offered something like 500k, $500,000. And that, of course, incensed her. She thought that was an insult. And um, now she's asking for folks. She, she declined that offer. And she's asking for people, her fan base, and I suspect you know those who are just followers of this woman and her talent, they want her to boycott Netflix. Um, she's not going to get me to boycott Netflix. Captain, I'm going to open it up to you and open it up to the audience if we go into that, and then we'll go into other stuff. But what are your impressions of you know Chappelle, Letterman, Netflix, or even – Monique, is she fair in asking for uh, you know far more more money, considering that her resume is on paper pretty impressive, but there's other issues going on with Monique, and we can get into that. But what are your impressions of of this topic? However you want to go, whichever whichever direction you want to go into, Cap. Well, the first thing I give you my mantra. All right. Fairness is the illusion of the weak to protect you from the strong to no avail. When you have power, you do what you want. Netflix has the power. They are doing what they want. That's number one with that. All right? That's number one. Because one person gets a deal, a big deal, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the big deal, whether you're more popular or less popular. You know? That's just how, that's how business works, to tell you the truth. That's, that's the reality of it. That's how it works. Sometimes you're more justified, but they don't, that doesn't mean they have to give it to you. It's a business deal. The art of the deal, Donald Trump. <laughs> I did watch the Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, uh, he's brilliant. This is uh, Afro-Nerd said. He's masterful. You know, I found it very entertaining. I had a hero. You know, and I had a beer with me, and I was watching, and I was, like, cracking up. This is, this is good. So this is good. I'm all right with this. 
You know, I didn't get a chance to see the Letterman. I wasn't really interested, you know, to tell you the truth. I wasn't really interested. I saw it there flashing, you know, Netflix, check this out, yada, yada, yada. You know how they do when you have Netflix. Like, eh, I'm not, you know, I, wa- I watch, I used to watch Arsenio Hall's show. That show I actually did watch. But, and Johnny Carson. All right, but all these these other shows, I watch highlights. I don't really get into them. Specific person comes on, I watch a little bit of the caption. That, 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 that's it for me. Not really, you know, not really into that. That much these days. So I wasn't really interested. I didn't really want to hear what, no offense, I just didn't really want to hear what, you know, Obama had to say. It's like, you know, so what? Unless something specific was said special, you know, then I would go in. You know, like what a lot of people block, oh, this person said this, this person said that. That's what actually brought me to the Dave Chappelle, that little skit, you know, when he, did, when he met up with the, the poor white people. <laughs> I said, okay, let me get into it. I wasn't even going to watch that. You know, to tell you the truth, wasn't even going to watch that. So that's what got me into that. Now, as far as Netflix, Netflix is a monster exponential. Okay? They're a monster. Everyone's trying to crack that code with Netflix. Everybody. Netflix pays out a lot of money licensing fees. That's that's how one of the way they get these. You know, um, well, so is probably Amazon. They're doing the same thing. Hula, they do the same thing. You know, they pay out a lot of money to Disney, you know, and, and everything else in order to get these movies to be played, you know, on their platform. But, you know, Netflix's original programming is very, very interesting. Not so much that movie so much. It's just it's whatever, man, with that, as far as I'm concerned with that. You know, yeah, and a lot of that you can get, you know, through other means and other places. The original programming, something going on with that there. Be careful. Everybody else, be careful. You know? Now, talking about, is that Monique? Is that who we were talking about? They probably should have offered her a little bit more money, in my opinion. I think 500000 was insulted. They could have upped that, in my personal opinion. They You're could Monique. have upped that so. Y- yes, yes. That's what I said, Monique. I was just playing around. Okay. <laughs> the reason why I was playing around was because she's not as well known as Mr. Chappelle, and also Letterman, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I don't think she is, you know, maybe, maybe she is, but I could be wrong, but not, you know, she is funny, and they probably should have offered us some more money, but if I'm in that executive room, I don't give her the same money that Chappelle is getting, I don't give her the same money as Letterman, I, I would have bumped it up some more, though, I would have bumped it up some more. That's how business goes a lot of times, man. It's not fair, man. It's not a fair thing. You see the scrub guy. You see the scrub guy. I remember one time years ago, it was a basketball. I think, what was it, John Conkak? Some seven-foot center. He got this huge contract. Everyone said, how the hell could he get $4 million a year? Negotiated that. And this was years ago. All right, this is years ago. When people weren't really getting that type of money, that's a drop in the bucket. Now, yeah, $4 million, man, come on. He must, must be coming off the bench or something. <laughs> that kind of way. But this was years ago, you know. And we, and we were all saying, and even people, sportscasters, they were saying, what the hell is going on? How did he get all that money? It's the art of the deal. He negotiated. 
wasn't fair. There was a lot more people that were more deserving of that money at that given time. But that's just how it goes sometimes. You know, this is how it goes sometimes. But they should have gave a little bit more money. That is a little insulting. Back over to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, um, and my mic was stuck there for a minute. Yeah, you know, my my only issue with with Monique, and again, I I must confess, you know, I know her from the Parkers. I know her from from the uh, what was the name of the movie with with um, uh, what's the, what's the the one that was pretty pretty grotesque? I thought Captain uh, Precious. Precious is where you know. Listen, as far as her yes. um, act acting ability. And what she brought to the role. I mean, I've only seen that movie in bits and parts. I mean, I just I know that uh, Oprah. Interestingly enough, and this is where I this is where it becomes problematic for her. Uh, Oprah Winfrey. I think she was vaguely involved with that movie, and um, she said some rather public things. And Lee Daniels, the Lee Daniel movie as well. So. It just wasn't my thing. I mean, to me, it, it made African American women, African Americans, it made it, it made us look crazy. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I could I could be more okay. It's specific to those characters, but it played on tropes. It was a part where um, Gabourey Sidibe, the um, the the actress of note that played played the titular character, she's like running running with a bucket of chicken. I mean, really. I mean, I don't think Lincoln. I don't That's think Lincoln K A D B D B A step and fetch it. I don't think even he went that low. I don't think he went that low. But that's a close call. If I'm bringing up bringing up that person's name, so there's just they were just. A, but they, you know, hey, listen, the black community is as I've said on countless occasions on our show is a vast, multifaceted, multi-tiered community. So they were folks that 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 story resonated with. Uh, it resonated with. It resonated with uh, Oprah Winfrey, you know, and Mr. Daniels. So she was able to get quite a few, you know, uh, quite a bit of notoriety for winning the Oscar. But the Oscar famously, I can't say what it does for other communities, but for black people as of late, maybe maybe in the last 15 years, maybe since Halle Berry won it, it, it it's not really – or even, even Jamie Foxx for that matter – doesn't necessarily work out. I think there's this belief, or there used to be this belief, that if you win the Oscar, that pulls you to to the to the stratosphere. That's the way it's supposed to work out. I don't know if it works out for black actors, and 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 truth be told, I don't know if it even works for white female actors. It's worked out for the for for the Meryl Streep's of the world. You know, but and 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 even and even uh, Denzel Washington. I mean, there's a, there's a select few, but you know, when you kind of get this, when you when your star rises, like you're kind of obscure. Like these other actors built a resume, and then a, a movie resume, and then they get that Oscar, and then maybe they're able to kind of catapult to another to another level. But if you are moderately successful. And you weren't the kind of actor that someone saw initially as of as of being Oscar caliber, and then you get it. That belief that is going to catapult you from obscurity or, or from relative obscurity, I don't know if it works out. 
I think she went on on the on the smoke and mirrors of the, the of the Oscar, and then made all these demands, and then allegedly Lee Daniels said that listen, you're not really you know you need to kind of you need to kind of be brought to heel. You need to you need to kind of eat some crow. Did he say that she was too difficult to work with? Wasn't that the rumor that was out there? Well, well, that, something like she, that? She went into that. She, she, he, went, he went into a whole bunch of things about her being mm-hmm. difficult and not being able to play, play the game. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. that, anytime you're in the – even at that height, when you are – Jacob is someone who knows. I know the corporates. When you're, when you're in the corporates, there's a certain demeanor you have to – you know, you have to do some stuff that you don't really want to do. And that kind of goes across the board. Until yep. you get to that cachet, then you can start to kind of, you know, tell people to kind of kiss off. But she thought that I have the Oscar, and you just have to kind of be brought to heel. I have arrived. And once the word got out, and, and this, this is the way Hollywood works. Now, maybe things might be on, on a different level. And I'm saying maybe in quotes because of this Me Too movement. And, and I also said that even many black women, I suspect, think they're going to be able – I shouldn't even say just black women, women of color, people of color, these protected groups. I think they think they're going to be able to get underneath the umbrella of Me Too the way some of these white females, attractive white females, they got to put that out there also, that they're, that they're going to be able to kind of usurp power with, with how, the, how you've seen it play out for the last couple of months. They think they're going to be able to get their get their door their foot in, their, in that door as well. I don't think that's going to happen, and I think she th- I think she thinks that's going to happen for her. I don't know how insulting Father Decay is because she's been out of the out of the scene for a minute, and Chappelle and Rock and Amy Schumer's name was brought up. They command seats. They're able to go to some of these venues and really knock them out. It, it, this is not Chitlin Circuit type stuff. There's a difference between mainstream and Chitlin Circuit. You can do, you can live, you can live very comfortably on the Chitlin Circuit, but it is a whole different ball game when you are mainstream. So I mean, it is what it is. Uh, hopefully she's able to work it out, but I, I can't, I can't roll with her on the, on the, I can't roll with her on the boycott on that. I'm not boycott. If something else goes down. Where I can see it, maybe I could do that, but not for her. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we no, can no. agree. Can we? Can we agree this? She's not worth Dave Chappelle money. We can agree no. with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know, listen. You know how you know how I can get sometimes, Captain. I'm going to be blunt. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be blunt. She is one of those middle-aged country pone black folks. Go. I don't. Here like. we go. Here we go. Here we go. Well, well, listen. I gotta be. I gotta keep it one hundred on the mic. What's up with the hedges, though? Here we go. Well, well, it's a little bit of that going on, literally. You know, I see she's graying around the temples. Here we go. This is is Hollywood. (laughs) Now, her act had a lot to do with defecating on thinner women. When she lost a little bit of weight, when she lost a little bit of weight, all that disappeared because now she was feeling herself a little bit. Okay, now now if you're in Hollywood, if you're in Hollywood, Captain, you do capitulate a little. Um, she needs to she needs to get those edges taken care of. Literally, they usually don't go there, but 
You know, no one wants to no one wants to see an an aging country pone black woman bellowing. You know, you see uh, Angela Bassett on nine one one. Angela Bassett is yes. She's older. She's she might have a decade. She might have a Mm -hmm. decade on uh, Monique, right? Angela Bassett. She does a good forty now. I mean, what I mean by that is she is sixty, but she she kind of reads like forty-ish, maybe late forty. She kind of forty-five. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Forty-five. Mid-40. So, yep. so that that plays a role in how you get down to Hollywood. I mean, this woman looks stunning. I I, I want to see nine one one because of her. In the in the, the the episode I saw, I saw that it was like younger males trying to holler at at uh, now it doesn't it plays. Like everyone's on the same same age bracket or, or the same zeitgeist, so to speak. But she's an older woman, but she doesn't read older. It's Hollywood. Her quaff is correct. She got that, those high cheekbones. She is. Uh, she she's ready for. She's Hollywood. She Hollywood. Okay. She now she's also uh, Academy Award caliber actress, movie actress. But she's doing a Fox TV gig now. So she she had to figure out her lane, but she still maintained the Hollywood mystique. I see Monique bellowing, graying edges. Uh, you know she did a little bit of she did a little bit of fitness, but not full full throng fitness. Come out and be spectacular, black gold magic and all that stuff. Come out and do the damn thing. But no, you want to scream and yell, and you want more money. When when you're really kind of out, you kind of put yourself out of favor. You're not all that. And I'll give you 100. You're not all that. That's just my opinion. I believe she has some talent. I believe she could actually reverse engineer some of what's going down. You could always come back if you have the talent. But she is in her own way to a lot of us. She is in her own way. Anyway, enough of Monique. I hope she gets some, I go, I hope she gets a paper, by the way. But she's going to have to do some things. And again, Angela Bassett looks damn good, like a, like like cornbread, hot cornbread coming out that oven. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna be 100 with it. Anyway, let's go let's go forward. Um, Black Hogwarts. When I first saw this, it, this is let me be more correct. Hashtag Black Hogwarts. Those who are in the know, I'm pretty sure you know what Hogwarts is. I mean, that's the school for that J.K. Rowling. Am I pronouncing the name correctly? I think it's Rowling, actually, the way it's really pronounced. Anyway, it looks like Rowling. Um, UK, one of the UK's wealthiest authors. One of I shouldn't say authors. One of UK's wealthiest people. She is a billionaire from the Harry Potter, the Potterverse imprint. And uh, I've been in and out of Potterverse, but I will say I do enjoy. I, I have enjoyed the, the film series. I've enjoyed. Uh, I've enjoyed the, I've enjoyed that imprint. I'm not going to lie, but I'm not as as obsessed with the Potterverse the way I am with Marvel and to a lesser degree uh, Warner Brothers and DC and some of the other Star Trek and so forth. Um, the the last thing that we saw that we saw um, what was that thing, Captain? The the beast, the the American, yes, yes, yes. the the American Hogwarts thing. I think mm-hmm. the sequel, 
the sequel is coming about, right? So I was yes, investigating more. I was, I was investigating more about that series, and lo and behold, the genius of J.K., her pen name, by the way, her gnome de plume, her genius is, well, hell, she's created a global Hogwarts theme. So uh, it, it's one, you know, me, me being somewhat of an, of a, somewhat of a Anglophile, I, I didn't really even think beyond a U.K. thing. Initially, I was caught up in this. You know, the only thing I will say is, even before I really became uh, more more uh, passionate about the need for diversity or immersion, I did. When I was looking at them, I said, "Well, you know, this is this is not like old school UK. I mean, we know this is the this is fantasy, but this is like in the current UK, so to speak. Even though they were younger actors, I mean, these actors now so much time has passed. These actors are pushing thirty. They were kids when they were coming out when it, uh, when it was coming out, but I did think that this this could be a lot more diverse in the party part of verse. So anyway, that was always in my mind. From what I from for what I have be- begun to understand now is that J.K. has actually expanded that global imprint where there is a a Japanese Hogwarts. There is a South American Hogwarts. I mean, all the cultural global implications are there. So if there's, if there's a need for more money for this woman's coffers, she can go there. And I, we've discussed this before. So this, this hashtag Black Hogwarts thing trending about a week and a half ago, uh, it, it actually trended to such a degree that J.K. herself was commenting on it. So it, it actually raised her eyebrow. I think she kind of weighed in on it a little bit. So we don't know where this can go, but I think what it really dealt with, not so much about J.K. Rowling, but more on the Lucas Brothers. Who are the Lucas Brothers? Lucas Brothers are these young, twin, black comedians. Um, I, I think I became aware of them through, I think it was 21 or 22 Jump Street, the, the, the movie imprint that came back in the last, the movie serial or series that came back. In the last couple of years, so I believe they it was the one where um, where the cops ended up going back to college, uh, Channing, Channing, Channing College, and they were roommates or, or they were like across the hall, and they looked like twin, <laughs> they look like twin Spike Lee's. <laughs> I can't put it any other way than that. And, I, and they have a stand-up routine. I mean, they have their own thing. They are truly twin black. Comedians. So uh, I'm just finding out that they had this FXX animated series. I think the Lucas Brothers Moving Company or something. It lasted for about two seasons. It looks somewhat interesting. Um, again, we're in a certain place now where you know this this black nerd content has legs, but it depends on when you where you come in. So this was a few years ago. Maybe now. That animation project might have done better. Again, it only lasted two seasons, and it went to FXX. Just like um, W. Kamau Bell, he was on the forefront. He was on the precipice of this blurred movement. You know, I, I saw him at, at uh, Afropunk. I mean, he's definitely, you know, he's Vernon Reed's compadre. Vernon Reed, we know from the Black Rock Coalition, also from the Living Color Rock, iconic rock group. Uh, all these things that we're into. Literally, the blurred movement. 
he was there, but they he was popular on on the FX. But when they went to FXX, it didn't do that well. If they brought him back again, might do better. Anyway, hashtag Black Hogwarts Captain comes about because the Lucas Brothers pitched a a magical HBCU. I'm like, what? How? Who? I automatically I said, okay, I'm in. So I could see why this was trending. So think about this: a magical. This is an animated thing for, for pure comedy. A magical black Hogwarts, but it's set in, an H, in, an, in a magical HBCU, historically black college university. Uh, black Ronan and myself, and I would suspect Bison are probably chomping at the bits. For you, you could just think of what that could mean. I, we've never seen anything like that. But in, in true Hollywood fashion, the Lucas Brothers – well, actually, I think the Black Hogwarts thing was trending because of, of the need uh, for why not have a black, a black Harry Potter and all that. And then they weighed in and said, well, we came up with that. We came up with this idea, and white Hollywood executives poo-pooed the idea because they said it was too weird. Let me repeat that. White Hollywood executives – when pitched the idea of a magical HBCU, didn't understand it, and they thought that it was weird. We're in the same space where we see all kinds of white, weird programming that's allowed to flourish and succeed, and yet this isn't allowed to do that. So what are your thoughts about the premise and here we go again. Shout out to Erica Alexander and Tony Perrier with Concrete Park. That when we come up with these ideas, there's someone to say that it's too weird. Really, it's too weird for black people. <laughs> this is crazy. Well, it's, it's real. It's real simple. Not even interesting. Simple. Black people and white people see things differently. We know that for most part, they do. Black people, you got to go around through the back door to get up in the building. <laughs> you get up in the building and go, oh, this is how it works. This is how it works. This is how it works. That's what, that's what we've been doing. That's what, they, that's what they've been doing. <laughs> Anytime the powers that be need anything hot, they come to us, they appropriate it, and they do it. They change it around a little bit, make it a little more commercial, and they go, oh, wow, this is, this is great. And then what do we turn around and do? We complain we complain and say, oh, I tried to give it to you this way. I tried to give it to you that way. It's nothing new. All right? That's the modus operandi. That's the movement forward. Now, see, me personally, I like your whole one-up, the whole way you put it, because I'm going somewhere with this. I couldn't give a flying feces about a black Hogwarts, because to me, that's about putting on the white man's clothes. That's, like again, like Wee Wee Williams, something they spoke about at the Comic-Con. The Schaumburg, you know, you know, you're putting on their clothing and everything else. It's nice, that's cute, but doing things from the ground up is what I'm about. You know, the Lucas Brothers, that's a brilliant idea, because that's now you're doing it from the ground up. That's fine, that's perfect, that's what I'm about. Do it from the ground up. I don't want to so so much put on the powers that be their clothing. You know, it's the same thing when you have a character in the comic books. You turn around, okay, he's a male character, now we're going to make him a woman. You know, they like to do that too. 
Instead of just coming with something new. Castrate the male, and then let's go with the same character. It's a woman. Some I don't like either. Some of you may like it. I don't like that. One good thing. Oh, there was a lot of good things, but this is my emphasis. Four years ago, Afternerd spoke about this, and this was great. At least with me, I believe it what was it four years ago, or was it three years ago? I think it was three years ago <clears throat> for me. When I went to that Schaumburg, and that was probably the first time, Schaumburg Comic Con, there was a lot of woes in me. Why won't the white man put me on business? You know? Now, it seems like, it seems it could change. We're moving in the direction. F that. This is my character. I'm putting him out. I'm getting some money. I'm doing something with it. Hopefully, it'll get bigger. We're doing it ourselves. Now, we need that 10 times that. We can get 10 times that. We're good. Standing very nice. Because let me tell you what happens if we, if we can get 10 times what I saw at that Schaumburg. Powers the beast start coming to you. Start doing like Japanese people do. Now, listen to this. They start coming to you and say, oh, we want this character, but we want to make him white. Oh, since you're going to make him white, I, I'll give it to you. I don't care. But it's going to cost you three times the money now. I got other characters too. Japanese with these type of characters and the things that they do, that they put out. They sell characters or license characters to the powers that be all the time. They don't care who changes it around or switch it up. You know why they don't care? Because they have enough representation where they're from. So they don't care. The Japanese character, excuse me, Japanese individual in this country will probably care more in America with all the multiculturalism, but not so much over there. You understand? So when you start seeing a lot more yourself, so what do you take a character and they switch it around? So what? Make your money. You don't care anymore. It's the fact that you're not seeing enough of yourself. You understand? Now, let me give you, give you an explanation. It's not quite the same thing, but it's analogous. You hear Afton talk about the rap music all the time. It's this, that, and everything else. You go back years ago when the rap music, I would say, was better. But we also had menstrual music. We had gangster music. But you had conscious music. You had party music. reason why the menstrual stuff didn't bother you that much then or the gangster stuff originally when it first started, Schoolie D and them, you know. When it first started, didn't bother you because you had so much variety. You saw that as a jokey type of thing. So, so no problem. So what you do a little gangster record? So what you do a little menstrual record? It's not a problem. But now when you only got one type or two types of representation, the music becomes a problem. So we have to talk about the music. They were talking about the music then, but if you look at that music, the variety that we had within it really wasn't that much of a problem. Is once it starts to become singular, you know, it's like you're just hearing the same menstrual thing over and over and over again at the top. Forget the independence. It's not about the independence. It's about what happens at the top. That's what's controlling reality, not the independent level. It doesn't control reality. The top controls the reality. Everything's controlled from top down, not bottom up. So that's what begins to matter, begins to matter. So coming back this way now, not the same thing, but it's analogous. Coming back this way, if we could do more of that, what I saw at the Schaumburg, it gets 10 times better. You're not going to care so much about that because you have so much representation that when you're running into, there go me, there go me, that look like me, that look like me. Oh, 
They want to take one character. They want to switch around and make him white or something. Eh, so what? I'm going to charge them three times my going rate for license now because of that. Eh, if they don't want to take it, screw them. I keep doing what I'm doing. That's the leg you need to stand on. And it's looking good. It's starting to look good. Look a lot better than it did three years ago. But, you know, it's starting to look good. That's what I like to see. I'm not so much concerned with a black Hogwarts. You know, couldn't care flying feces. Been putting on your clothes too much. I don't want to put your clothes on. I can like your characters. The characters are great. That's what it is. Thor is this way. Iron Man is like that. It's good. Let's build things ground up. You know, I like what the Lucas Brothers was doing. That sounds real interesting. BCU, black all the way up. Let's go. Even though the money uplines in the HBCU tour, you know, powers that be and the powers that be are white. That's a whole other story. <laughs> Back over to you, Apple Nerd. Now, I want to go to a musical break in a second, but I do want to uh, unpack a little bit more on this on this notion that the Lucas Brothers has presented and, and how I'm thinking, because I can get a little bit manic. And I, once I think of an idea, you know, listen, I'll share it. So uh, and I've been meaning to, to get this gentleman on our show and he agreed to he agreed to do the show, but he didn't want to speak about Black Panther. So maybe he can speak about it now. I don't know. Reginald Hudlin, um, famed filmmaker. Also, he was the, the I think the VP of VP of Entertainment at one time at BET. Um, and he's also a blurred. And I met him personally with uh, Nelson George at a few New York Comic Cons ago. Early on, this is really, this is before the real blurred movement. Maybe a few years shy of this full blurred movement going on. So. Um, I, you know, I know that he is, he and, um, a few of the other founders or co-founders for Milestone have famously announced a few years ago that they're going to bang, bring back Milestone. So, um, I think what's cool is you know, he, he wants to bring back Milestone. I, and listen, we desperately want Milestone to come back, unquestionably. But Milestone can't come back like it's 1993, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they are aware of that. We're in a different place. You know, in the early 90s, famously, the, there was a, um, a comic book boom and a comic book – a comic book boom and a comic book uh, explosion in, in the negative – you know, there was a comic book correction. If it was, if if we were, if there was a, an analog to the stock market, just like there was a, a correction in two thousand in two thousand one, I think, with the stock market, and also I guess two thousand eight under a, a Barack Obama. There's certainly one in the early thousand early nineteen nineties with the comic book boom, and I th- suspect that milestone was a part of that. Now we're in a different space. You have a, a, a codified, blurred community. You have nerds of color. You have all this SJW, whether it's negative or, pos- negative or positive. However you see that, you got Black Panther the movie. You have Black Lightning. You, you, you've got all these, um, these heroes of to bloom. Um, you have a, a black social media infrastructure starting to come about. Black, black, brown. Yellow. I mean, everybody's being starting to represent themselves, even on the convention circuit. So there's a lot of stuff going on. 
I shouted out to Russell Hudlin twice, and I got a little bit of a little bit of a response on Twitter with some ideas. I said, "Well, hell, if you're going to if the Lucas brothers are because they already said because of the reaction, like thousands of retweets for this Black Hogwarts thing, because initially it started really because of their last this moving company cartoon." It was going. They were going to do an episode that was a a parody of the Hogwarts mythology of the Potterverse. But then now, because of because of this thing, they had this idea of an expanded, separate thing, which was declined. But we've seen how this goes. So they're saying now, well, they're going to try to pitch this to Netflix. Okay, good. Why not have a comic book? Of this, I think it's already called uh, Another World. That's the, that's the, that's the working title, Another World. Have have an Another World comic book imprint because it seems like you need to have the comic book first now to get the deal. Popularity through the comic book, just like Rick and Morty has a comic book which I can't even get now. The, the, the number one is is very expensive. It's a couple of hundred dollars now. I mean, I can still get it, but. I, I gotta I gotta work on it because I, I want to get it and, and before it gets outrageous. Rick and Morty, which is very weird, is excellent. But Rick and Morty is weird. Szechuan sauce, yeah, hell, it's so powerful. Szechuan sauce, which is like a theme in the cartoon, uh, which Marvel, no, uh, Marvel, which McDonald's no longer makes. They had to bring it back. They had to reboot a, 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 an old sauce. Because of the popularity of a cartoon, but again, white folks are allowed to, are allowed to be weird and quirky, not the black people. So Russell Hudlin says to me in Twitter, "I want to read it." <laughs> so I got to get this gentleman on the show because I want him to connect with the Lucas Brothers to make one of one uh, uh, when they bring back Milestone to completely rejigger. Milestone. Instead of just kind of bringing back Icon and bringing back hardware, although we want that to happen, and bringing back and definitely bringing back Static Shock, bring back a comic book that unpacks a magical HBCU. That is that is he heard me, he heard me because hey that's fly. Matter of fact, when they, when the, the Lucas Brothers even showed even showed Twitter, the, the, even on online. They sh- he showed you some some working art for this Black Hogwarts thing, and it had an elderly, you know, a- an elderly wizard. You know who that's going to be, who that imprint is, as far as in the world of of a part of us. But I'm thinking you need to have a Red Fox analog. I'm just this is me thinking Red Fox analog as the as the, 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 the president or the lead wizard of this HBCU. Have someone like um what's that gentleman's name? Someone someone like John Witherspoon. Someone like John Witherspoon do the voice. I said how? Have an analog for Prince Rogers Nelson as one of the teachers with all the Prince isms. Now that's just me thinking outside the box. That's going to be a winner. Wouldn't you say, Captain? Why am I coming up with these ideas? Why not? Why aren't I getting a check for these ideas? I'm, I'm crafting this already for the jokes. 
Listen, the truth be told, these people are still watching to see what Black Panther is going to do. <laughs> All these ideas are great. You know, they're still watching it. And then even if it, let's say, let's just say hypothetically, see, see how it keeps coming back to Black Panther? I got my ticket already. Anyway, that's by the by. Now, let's just say hypothetically, Black Panther runs away with $1.4 billion. Just say hypothetically. Let's say hypothetically. It's going to be interesting to see. There's a couple of things that's interesting with with that, too. What they do, we spoke about this, so we're just regurgitating that again. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the powers that be do. It's also going to be interesting to see what the people, like the creators that we saw there at the Schaumburg, what they do. Also interesting and something we have to watch and pay more attention to. This is everybody, you know. Let's look at the merchandising on Black Panther after the movie, especially if it does very, very well. Not so much if it does $600 million or $700 million. Let's say if it goes $800 million or better. Let's look at that merchandise. It's going to be real interesting, you know? Then, then let's see how everyone moves afterwards, you know? Something we have to pay attention to. But your idea is very good. Sir Affleck, it's a great yeah. idea. Or even have an imprint, an IP of George Clinton. Let him do the voice on this, some of this stuff. I mean, get all these. Now I know what's going to happen is you're going to have, you know, a uh, little little Uzi Vert and all these clowns interjecting themselves into a black hogwarts. That's how that's how it's ruined. Okay, that's how it's ruined. But you 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 can imagine you get the right vocal team for a magical HBCU. I, you, come on now. And best and, and guest appearances coming in. I mean, all these antics, having black people in, in a different, comedic black folks in a different setting at a at a HBCU. I mean, that, that's the that is the Netflix comedy imprint. I'm, and even the comic book could be could be fire. But these are the way black folks got to start thinking. When we went, I'm going to mention this one thing, and you were there to witness this, Captain. And then we'll go to a groove, and we'll come back to something else. Black people are. As you said, they got it, but sometimes we, we got it, but we don't have it at the same time. To be more accurate as to how you said it, we, 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 repeat what you, what you always say, Captain. I don't want to paraphrase this time. What do you always say about black folks? I said black people got it, but yet they don't got it. Because especially the American black, that's what I mean. That's really what I mean, because you're so talented. And at times you do the hard work, the real hard work. And then you come late to the situation or you do something like that to mess you up, to shoot yourself in the foot. You know, you don't follow through. Remember in basketball, the coach always just say, you shoot the shot. Make sure you hang your wrist out there. Practice that so you can follow through with the shot. See, we coming up strong, jumping real high, but the follow through a lot of times is not there. And you don't follow through, you miss the shot, you know? And that's what we have a tendency not to do. What I'm, what I'm talking about specifically, and you were there to witness it, and we told these gentlemen, when we was at the mm-hmm. uh, Black Comic Book Festival, uh, we came across a table, and we kept on going back to these cats because they were affable, uh, really cool guys. Um, I don't have their card, unfortunately. Did it, what, yeah, what they gave us a card. Shirt guys. Yes. Shirt guys. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, you know where I'm going. It's, it's, yes. it's, a two-fold, it's a two-fold thing about the genius and how come, sometimes you come, come up short. And we will continue to do business with these gentlemen. And, we, you know, hey, we can have them on the show and they can talk, talk that stuff. They had mm-hmm. some, um, some shirts that were hot fire because they were creative with it. 
they had, and we bought some shirts. Uh, one shirt was uh, entitled Black Sci-Fi. And the Black Sci-Fi shirt was a collage of all of the IPs associated with black folks in science fiction. That was hot fire. I bought that. Then they had a Black Panther shirt. But this Black Panther shirt has, has T'Challa in full costume sitting in the famous bamboo chair that Huey P. P. Newton, the most famous Black Panther, was sitting in. Now, they, they, they kind of they they <laughs> channeled that for the, 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 the preview poster of the Black Panther, you know, but, you know, people got upset about that reference, but this was more of a direct reference. I mean, this was literally T'Challa in full costume sitting where Huey P. Newton sat. So we picked that up. Then they had this uh, Misty Knight t-shirt where it had Misty Knight full afro elegance in yeah. front of the Apollo. Mm-hmm. Now the, the Apollo was the the Apollo was the backdrop. Now they were not prepared to have larger sizes for males because they thought because she was a heroine that men would not go for that shirt. Now they might have been onto something initially, but a lot of men were grooving to that shirt because listen, I will wear. You got to be. It's 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 kind of a balance wearing a fe, a feminine hero as a male, kinda. Now I have um, uh, Billie Holiday. You know, there's a whole host of women you you could think of. Nina Simone, those those kind of those kind of heroes you could put on a shirt as a male, no big deal. All right. Some of the some of the some of the you know uh, black girls rock stuff is just not for me. It, it would it's not gonna work. Some things will work. Do you, he admitted a lot of cats came up to him. Looking at that T-shirt because it was it was it was her in all her badassery in front of the Apollo. Who's not going to pick that up? Now he had to take a whole bunch of emails to to kind of rejigger to kind of get back. You know, he lost money. Let's put it that way. Now the ge- the, the genius part also, black folks thinking on the fly. They didn't have any any. They did not have any um, any bags really to give you initially. They didn't give you. They didn't have have any bags to give you to oh, put yeah, yeah. to put your purchase. Okay, but this was genius. Mm-hmm. Instead of bags, they had a whole bunch of Chinese Chinese food takeout boxes. So they were able to fold the T-shirts and put it in a brown cardboard, you know, like shrimp. Fried rice box. Now, mind you, I'm walking around very hungry because I'm looking at these things like I know there's t-shirts in there, but I'm like, damn, this is these look really good to eat. But I said, yo, you need to make that as your staple thing. Now I know you got these boxes because of of um of happenstance, okay, of happenstance, of be, of, of being of, of ser- serendipity, okay, but but really. It, that was so hot and so unique and so very black. <laughs> you need you need to make that a thing. Because I was walking around with these I said, this, yep. this is hotness. And I've seen people, I've seen our brown brethren create a complete business at New York Comic Con where they were selling T-shirts in like pizza boxes. They had a whole display where you were buying you you were buying um, uh, American cartoons, American hero 
imprints, and I bought a couple of T-shirts, but they were, but the, but the, the wording was in Spanish. So I have a couple of these T-shirts, but the box was in a pizza box. Black folks had this as 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 a part of separate serendipity. They had it in a Chinese takeout box, and they were apologetic. I said, "Don't you apologize for S? This is brilliant." Sometimes we got it. Sometimes we got it, but we don't got it, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Shouting out the lovely Claire Lene, who is who's not with us. She's on to other things. She's got business to take care of. And of course the Uncanny Daryl B. They will be back. And we will be back after this groove. This is let's go to you know what? I'm gonna go to Bahamadia. Keeping it femme fatale, Philly's own Bahamadia. Funky for you, featuring Slim pardon me, Slum Village. Slum Village. About two minutes, folks. We'll be right back. Let's groove. What you wanna do when it's long as it's suited to be recruiting so sort of body movement later for concentrating the moving units and such. My main focus is meditating on ways to work. Provide a gen possibly rock up in the club. Teeth we done got it hot, so eating the thugs, sluts, cut a rug, shoot love. Why the DJ cut it up? Girls singing a jig because they humping on their butt. Yo, this one in the ones that old and young relate to. Infectious screws making you get your mind synchronizing in time with my music. And if you can't dance, well, then clap your hands to it. Definitely, the fuck with the 
we're back, folks. Once again, this is the Grindhouse, Sunday's Grindhouse, giving you a classic Bahamadia, Philly Zone Bahamadia, certainly an underrated lyricist. Uh, Funky for You, featuring Slum Village. Anyway, we're back. Feel free to call in with your questions, queries, protestations, disagreements, all that jazz. Uh, 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. I know we have quite a few folks that like to hold on and just listen, which is cool. But if you'd like to join in on the fun, just press 1. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to rhyme, but <laughs> just press 1, and you can join in. Anyway, um, something else quickly, and then we'll move along. Uh, another uh, tweet that I submitted to Mr. Reginald Hutland's attention because, again, he's the, the high-profile co-founder of Milestone Media. I happened to dig this woman's art that was also viral but there are a number of artists especially of african african extraction that are able to do this but it is man it's something else i mean i don't know what kind of skill set that is i don't it is incredible but and i might be i might be mispronouncing this young woman's name she's of nigerian extraction uh chiamanwu Ugh, I'm probably butchering it, and I really apologize. i got to get her on the show. Chiamanwu Joy. Chiamanwu Joy. And she's able to make these photorealistic art pieces with charcoal. And this is like a specific talent that I've seen floating around. But this, it looks like a black and white photograph. I mean, even when you look closely at, like, the hair and everything, it looks crazy. So I said... Again, because I'm, I'm obsessed and ha- might have a touch of the OCD, I tweeted to to Reginald. I said, "Hey, when Milestone comes back, maybe you need to holler at this sister to do a cover. Imagine a photo realistic depiction of Icon or hardware or static shock, black and white. That is the hotness. That is how you compete with the images." And the Marvels and DCs. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And he responded in the affirmative. So maybe I'm just bellowing. I don't know how people, but I do know that someone had an idea about Rihanna and Lapita doing some kind of road trip, girls, you know, a girl power movie. And I think that's in the works on Netflix. Somebody had an idea. I mean, this is what community means. I have, I have a lot of ideas. But I could, again, uh, I have never, can you imagine coming back with a photorealistic version of Icon on the cover of, of, number, of the number one Icon from Milestone? I'm just saying, from a Nigerian artist, and it, wasn't a, and it wasn't a photo, it was someone who could draw because she's that nice? Come on, people. Come on, people. You're, 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 you're putting on the pressure. <laughs> I'm just saying. This is the result of Superman, as we used to see in the, used to see in the 1950s. He would, take a, he would take a piece of coal, and because he had that kind of strength, he would squeeze the coal and create a diamond out of the coal. That's what this president is doing to blackness. I'm just saying. That's my theory. Anyway, let's move forward. Let's talk about Let's talk about Black Lightning. We never got around to it, really. Um, I see that our friend from Chi-Town, I think I saw a Twitter, a tweet from him where he has his own 
his own podcast going on. So I'm, I mean, I know he's on radio anyway, but I think maybe maybe a blurred centric podcast with a visual element looks kind of hot. So um, let, let me let me uh, bring in Serge, and then we got to talk about uh, Black Lightning. I mean, I, I will say this: the CW's Black Lightning. I was impressed with it. I mean, it was some issues, but for a CW show, it's probably one of the better. And I have issues with some of the CW stuff and, you know, just their brand. Their brand is very much about, you know, young ingenues. Everyone's young and perfect. And, you know, they don't really have some of the, the, um, the quirkiness that I would, I would like to see out of someone. So I, I would, sometimes I would like to see people with, with, with special faces. You know, I think even Sergio went, went into this rant, rant one time. The Betty Davises, you know, the, those kind of unique faces, they mean something. But when everyone has these kind of, these kind of, um, these assembly line faces, it turns me off. But I, I didn't necessarily see that in the CW's Black Lightning. They looked, they, they were attractive, but they looked real. They didn't like models. Necessarily. Anyway, uh, Cap, you have, you have some statements. I'm going to bring in Serge. Oh, okay. The, I, I'll say this. I won't. I won't spend too long. Uh, I'm not going for any fake outs in any which way or form pertaining to any shows. I'm a bit mature with this. Let me explain what I mean by that. You had the Deuce. Okay, brilliant first episode. Then from there, the Deuce. Went like a 747 or 757, like flying high, 35,000 feet. And then it's like someone just cut out the engines and he started gliding down. Had that. Yeah, True Detective. First two episodes, eh, it's a regular cop show. What am I watching? Why are people telling me to watch this? Third episode, all hell breaks loose. The show is brilliant. Season one, that is, not season two. We've seen also, and a lot of you geeks and nerds didn't want to call it out, the garbage, the garbage, all right, of Agent Shield season one. Oh my God, terrible. It was garbage. Second season, you're looking at, this is all right. Third season, very, very well done. So you, you, you have to be careful. What I'm trying to say is, I have to look at a body of work. I have to see at least three episodes before I can tell what I'm dealing with. What I can tell right away, when I turn on something, within 10 seconds, I can look at your production level and say, okay, you're on this platform, and you got some seventh-grade production level. You you got garbage. I can do that right away. But everything else, I need time because it's episodic TV. Now, with Black Lightning, I've seen some good. Also seen a lot of bad, too, along with that. But it's the first episode. It's the first episode. My eyes might be a little different from most people, you know, but it's the first episode. Let's see where this goes. Got to see the Medellin business, you know. That's good. That's excellent. But I need to see three episodes to tell you what's going on with this. Back over to you, Afternoon. That's all I have to say with it. All right, my, my board's a little bit sticky, man. Um, you can bring in, but actually, both gentlemen. We see, um, we see Q Storm from Podcast Juice, of course, 
and we also see uh, Chi-Town's favorite, Sergio Mims. Sir. Yes, hello. Are you there? Hey. Yes, how hey. are you, man? Fine. Um, very quickly before I get to the podcast, because I, I really want to call because I want to promote it. Um, in terms of Monique, you know, half a million is maybe the most money she's ever been offered for anything. <laughs> she doesn't work because she has – Captain Kirk is right. She has a horrible reputation. I can tell you stories about her. And look, if Tiffany Haddish had a, a deal with Netflix, you would believe they're paying her money. Tiffany Haddish right now is the hottest thing around, comedian around. She, you know, from the movie Girls Trip, she hosted Saturday Night Live. She made a splash on that. If she had a deal with Netflix, they would be paying her millions. No one's checking for Monique. Yeah, I think it was actually kind of, um, I mean, you know, maybe it could have been a, a bit more money, but for the tell you the truth, where she's at right now, she should, she should have taken that. And work right. to become relevant, to, be, to become relevant and not being so hot-headed. Right. My but that's opinion. her thing. She's just been hot-headed all the time. Nobody wants to work with her. She's hot-headed all the time. So who's going to deal with that? You could, they could have offered her $10 million. She would have had an issue with that. Probably. You know, and she's not on the level of Chappelle or Chris Rock or even a um, – uh, who I think Maybe. is still terribly underrated is a, a Han, uh, Hannibal Barris, uh, Burris. She's not oh, yeah. on that level. I I've seen her stand up work. She just goes around saying yelling about skinny bitches. Yeah, Hannibal would have got some money. Yeah, would have got some Hannibal money. Hannibal has done has <laughs> done uh, a show for Netflix. I've seen it. It's very very <laughs> funny. <just> crazy. <laughs> But anyway, I do want to talk about this pod, uh, podcast. Uh, this is not mine. This is a friend of mine by the name of Ted Crowder, and he has a group called Bright Sea Co- uh, Collaborative, which is a uh, a uh, digital technological um, uh, uh, media company. And he approached me about doing a special um, Black Panther podcast. There's going to be four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm hosting three of the four And the first right. one was shot today It will be up on the Bright Seed Collaborative website by Tuesday uh, mm-hmm. Video and audio So you can watch it And we taped it today They're about just over an hour Maybe an hour and 75 minutes And where I talk with people involved in um Comic books, in media, in uh, uh, gamers, uh, uh, cosplay, uh, talk about the impact of Black Panther. Today was the first podcast. We tape, we're going to be taping them every Sunday for the next four Sundays in a row. As I said, I'm hosting three of the four. And um, to talk about the impact of this movie. Why, why has this, how, how has this gotten so big? Why... Um, why has this film taken hold like, to my knowledge, no other um, Marvel movie I've seen, or just movie, period? Um, why is it that just a few years ago I brought up your little story? I didn't mention you by name. Why is it that one of the executives at Marvel a few years ago said there was no market for a movie like this? Now yeah. it, it's, it, is, it is the... Um, it has more pre-sales than any other film in Marvel history. Uh, would that have happened a few years ago? I don't know. 
why is the time now? Um, and, and what's the deal with um, this this whole revolution? You can explain. You know, I have them explain it to me with comic books and the whole thing. Because as I said, when I was a kid, comic books were a minor thing. You said, okay, you had DC, you had Marvel, you had a few. There was Roger Crumb. I mean, uh, Crumb. Uh, oh, yeah. And then there were a couple others, and but they were kind of mighty. So okay, that's now. Okay, was then. But in the last on, Sergeant, thing, Sergeant, decade. Sergeant, hold on. Yeah. You're morphing into a geek, whether you like it or not. But continue. Uh, <laughs> why have they exploded? I mean, we shot this in a comic book store, a, a two level comic book I store, which is in my neighborhood. I saw that. Mm-hmm. And and um um. You know, a, a store like that probably would not have existed ten, a decade ago. Oh, yeah, well, yes, can... there were comic book stores, but not on this size. I mean, you know, before we set up the show, I spent most of my time going through the store reading Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror comic books because I read that stuff as a kid. used to scare the hell out of me. Yeah, still. And they've been republished, and they've been re-edited, and I'm going through that stuff again, and I got lost in that world again of, you know, the Crypt Keeper and Vault of Horror and, you know, the Grizzly stuff. I loved that stuff as a kid. It scared me to well, death. I got so scared I would throw it in the garbage can. And well, that was the next issue. Serge, I can answer some of that uh, just to keep it brief. Um, there's a number of reasons why you're seeing that, this resurgence. One is simply that the technology has actually gotten to the point where they can translate this stuff honorably. You know, uh, in the mid-70s... Well, that was mentioned. Saw, that was talked about. That was discussed. That was one of the answers, yes. Well, in the, you, know, you know, so we can look at some of this stuff in a comical kind of way. Like, Batman was a little easier because he didn't have any superpowers. But when it gets down to the, to the godlike beings, people being able to float around and for it to look legit and entertaining on screen, I mean, the computerization has just gone to such a level where it, it is so... It is just anything is possible right now. That's one of it, one of the reasons. And also because there's such a dearth of writing. Like some of these folks didn't realize that, you know, the Stan Lee's of these guys, they could, for all intents and purposes, be screenwriters. And I think some people who are legitimate screenwriters and also comic book geeks, they're able to kind of slide, slide in their proposals through comic books. If you have a popular comic book, then that's half the battle as far as going to. The, 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 these, these uh, executives say, hey, listen, this comic book is flying off the shelves. Why not translate it? And it's already storyboarded. I mean, it's another thing, too. It, the comic book medium is so visual that you can go to an executive and he can thumb through it and kind of see exactly in real time where you want to go with an idea as opposed to trying to explain it. You could say, here, this is what we want to do. That's, I mean, that's, it's a lot of reasons. That's one of the reasons why. And now we're at a point where you can colorize the protagonist, which seems to be, before that, it seems to be uh, controversial. So now we have black folks, brown folks, and hopefully you know, other races and sexual orientations. Their spin on this geek culture uh, can be profitable, but it's always a fight. Um, right before you got on the air, I was talking about the Lucas brothers. The Lucas brothers were responsible, or partially responsible for the, the hashtag Black Hogwarts to trend. Um, they said that they had presented an idea for a cartoon for a magical HBCU. I'm like, wait a minute. A magical HBCU is brilliant. But, uh, but they said a whole bunch of white males 
thought it was too weird. But white people do weird stuff all the time. Black uh-huh. weirdness, they don't get. So that's where we're at yeah, well, right now. Well, I will tell you, I, I hope people will listen to the show as a podcast. There'll be four in a row, and, and I said, you can hear it, get it on the Bright Seat Collaborative website, Bright Seat Collaborative website. And uh, it'll be, uh, they'll be, uh, they'll be uh, up on by Tuesday, and then for the next four weeks in a row. And one of the things is that one of the, it, there'll be different guests, but one of the guests, uh, Yatasha Womack will be on one of the shows. Um, but Keisha Howard, who was on my show today, who was a gamer, talked really eloquently and quite movingly about being nerd, black nerd culture and how now it has become so hot when she had been in it for years and was put down and people saw she was nuts and why you want to be like that, white people. And now it's like now everybody wants to get on the boat. Yeah, well, that's how Everybody wants to be on the next hip thing, you know. But so now is nerd culture. Well, well, there's a lot of bandwagoning. Or blurred culture, that, I should say. There's a lot of bandwagoning, and you know, I want I want I want to hear from Q Storm, but I'll say this much: the part that is that is going to be very telling, uh, telling Sergio is my frustration with this whole movement is that black folks still, not all blacks, but many black people still have this issue with being connected to intelligence. I mean that's that if we can get that going, um, you know, the the whole the whole notion of of, of the black nerd of, of being black and intelligent and making that into something that is viral, the sky is the limit. But I mean our 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 rap music right now is suffering because we can't seem to get the idea of intelligent music. Now they're making it but when you listen to, to listen to um, morning radio, it's very dumb, and we used to not be that way. We used to not be even in the hip hop genre. It used to not be that way, but now it is so dumb. How does how is it that you have dumb music culturally, but you got a blurred thing which is highly intellectual, Afrofuturism, all that kind of stuff? As you mentioned, Ms. Womack, she can talk about this. It's, it's two competing things going on in the black community. That's what's going on. Uh, uh, well, Q, I, like I said, I, I hope people will will listen to the podcast. Um, uh, I put a little shout out to you, you know, and oh, Afro Nerd on the show. Thank you. And, Thank you, my and, and Tasha <laughs> will actually be on my radio show this Tuesday. I love to have her on once in a while uh, on my radio show on WHBK, where I also will have two interviews with two of the hottest black conductors in the in the world in classical music. Raphael Payar, and who is conducting Vienna Philharmonic and Chicago Symphony and around the world, and John Edward Udise, who is based in Germany. I recorded two interviews with them. They will be on the show as well. This is still part of nerdism, still part Definitely. of blurred, blurred culture. Um, but I just want to do thank you very much. I just wanted to promote these th- th- this this show this black. Um, Black Panther podcast uh, starts this week, and for the next few for the next uh, four weeks running until the premiere of the, uh, the the premiere of the movie. Well, sir, listen, you have an open door policy, you know that, and I appreciate what you said, and I appreciate the fact that you know you're talking about this alternate content, which is what I'm all, which is what this is all about, and uh, you know the Cardi B's. I know I mentioned Cardi B to death, but 
we, we seem to be going in that direction when it's like, hey, we got black indie music. We have black classical music. We have blurred culture. Uh, we went to the black Comic-Con. There are a number of black Comic-Cons now. In plural, it used to be one, two. There are a number of them now. And yet this is like some kind of secret. We have black Gotham, black Gotham experience. There's a lot of communities, a lot of information, a lot of content, and yet we still are doing this dumb black ish. There's, that, there's still going to be resistance. There's still going to be some ignorance. There's still going to be black people. Let's face it, it's black, brainwashed. But Serge, they're brainwashed. Is, listen, we are battling on two fronts. You have white executives that went the idea of a magical HBCU, which infuriates me, and I want to see a Prince analog as a teacher. I want to see Red Fox as an analog as the head of the school. That's how my mind works. I can see how this can work. The plush toys, the T-shirts, it will be hot like fire. I'm giving. I, we're, we're, I'm already putting some lace, putting some putting some butter on cornbread for these ideas, and yet black folks still want to be on this dumb ish. I don't understand it. These are these are million dollar, if not billion dollar dollar ideas. Damn Cardi B, damn fat ass Nicki Minaj, all that stuff. Anyway, although I do like that cover of Paper Magazine. Anyway, uh, let's go to. <laughs> <laughs> I had All right. Sorry. <laughs> let's go to Thank let's you. go to Q-Storm. Thank you, man. Always. Let's go to Q-Storm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Q-Storm. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, can I get some equal time? I want to promote the Red Shirts, Red Shirt, Red Shirts Star Trek <laughs> podcast on YouTube and iTunes. Go to iTunes, subscribe, download Red Shirts, a Star Trek podcast. Of course. Um, <laughs> well, well, I wanted more. to say some. You you kind of started off on Black Light. Black Lightning, I don't know if you set it up completely the way you wanted to before we discussed it, so maybe I'll hang back. No, go ahead. No, no, we're still in it. We're still in it. Okay, all right. Well, I, I saw the show, and i got to tell you, um, with a few spots that were kind of corny, uh, I, it wasn't nearly as bad as I was led to believe. I I thought there were great performances all around. I mean, all everybody looked good. The women, can you say this now? The women all were fine, even the young yeah, ones. Isn't it a shame? <laughs> Isn't it a shame? I got to be careful with that. Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome to my as, world. As you, Welcome to my world. As, as you, and, and you know what? One thing, we got a grown-ass superhero now. He's grown. I mean, come on. He's a grown black man. <laughs> I'm going to uh, shout out to Grant Gustin and what's your man's name? Uh, Cisco, uh, you know, oh, and uh, Melissa Benoist. That's great, but we got a grown superhero finally. Um, but as you probably remember on Twitter, w- one of the issues I did have was, um, and I, I really feel strongly about this. Not, I, I can't believe the amount of pushback I'm getting. Why can't our black superheroes fight Thanos? Why can't they fight super villains? Why can't they fight their? Why can't they fight Brainiacs? And uh, any number? Why can't they fight Metrons or Savitars? Why is it always they got to be fighting drug dealers? Can't we can't we can't we raise our sights higher? I don't care if that's how the book was written. Great. I mean, we got a black Iris West. We got a black Joe West. We got um, other uh, racial bending of characters. So that means that the creators can change things from the original, from the um, from canon. Is anyone else on the board with me with this? Why do we have to go back to the hood? Well, you know, listen, uh, confession time, I, I was bothered by that as well. 
that was a problem for me. I felt, but I, I also had to be respectful to canon. Part, part of Jefferson Pierce, again, to, again to the listening audience, Jefferson Pierce is the alter ego of Black Lightning. Part of that, that whole deal, uh, going back to the 1977 comic book, uh, again, uh, black exploitation, you know, kind of t- towards the waning, the waning of the black exploitation period, you had black folks mixing it up in the hood. And that book, you know, we had to be respectful to Tony Isabella being a, a, a white person to at least have the forward-mindedness to make him middle class. At least the fact that he was this Olymp- Olympic-level scholar that for, I guess, the sake of altruism, to be a magnanimous, he goes back to his community. So there, was a, there, was, there were some things that were very positive about what was going on. The part that you and I have a problem with is that it becomes kind of a trope that the black hero has to protect his community because it's, 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 it's riddled with uh, gang violence and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, listen, that's the element of the black story. That's a, that, that is a black story, but it's not the black story. I, I would suspect in order for Black Lightning to work that he's going to have to be fighting a whole lot of different people. Now, if he's fighting, if he remains in the hood ad nauseum, it, it's going to fail. But if he fights the, you know, the incidental hood person, uh, the corporate raider, uh, someone from, you know, someone from some other universe or whatever, it, that is what a hero has to do. But if it's always going to be in Brownsville or in Camden, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. Well, that's going to be a problem. Like I, like I say, uh, Berlanti, he didn't come on say it, but people are speculating that Black Lightning might cross over to Supergirl. And if he does that, that I guarantee you, I guarantee you he's going to get to fight a real supervillain. But you think Supergirl's ever going to come to Black Lightning's hood and help help him fight some hood rats and drug dealers? Nah. What hasn't that been a, a, a hasn't that been a complaint of Superman? Is it what is what is the what is the the ghetto section of the DC? Was it Suicide Slum? Right. The name yes. of, so yes. I mean, there is that element in in in, in uh, Metropolis, but Superman really goes there. Like he's been there a few times. It's like a, that that special episode. It's almost like a one to <laughs> you know a one to learn on. What is that thing? You know, it's always like <laughs> one a, to grow on. Yeah, thank you. One to grow on. Of oh, this is a very special episode, and it's always matter of fact. We spoke about that. I think with Claire last week. You know, there's the triad episode where they got to go into uh, into uh, Chinatown. Uh, you got to go to the ghetto. I mean, there's always some special special episode. So I hope that's not the case with Supergirl and even Batman's stuff. I mean, Batman's villains. Listen, you got to you got to mix up with the black folks and the brown folks, you know. But they don't want to be. It's it's it is a balancing act because you don't want to come across as a stereotype, especially as a white hero going into the hood. But if if Batman is really about his business, he's supposed to mix it up in the hood. But we don't really see that. So I'm I'm a little. That's why he has Signal for. Signal is the Black Robin now. I didn't even pick up that book. Huh. He's all in yellow, which I find kind of problematic if you're going to be in the hood. I mean, you're literally <laughs> going to be sticking out. That that see, it's stupid. It's a stupid ish that's being done. But there's a way that black that that Batman can be mixing it up in the hood. If you, I mean, you know, but you need people who who can write. You need people of color in in the mix. You gotta you gotta expand behind the scenes as you would in front of what you're drawing. So it, it's um. 
it's interesting. But, I, I, you know, I, well, I'll tell you something else, too. I'm going to open this up as well. I, I want you to ask, ask, uh, answer this. Uh, listen, I hope there is some kind of cross-pollination with the other CWIPs because people seem to think this is a good thing, that he's, that he's kind of in his own world, so to speak. But isn't it segregation? How do you have yeah. the, the lone black hero on the CW network, and he's by himself? But everybody else is able to, allowed to mix it up. I mean, you can't have it that way. That, that's a problem. You can't segregate in the 21st century, even though Trump is Trump is trying hard for that to come back again. I'm just saying. What are your thoughts about that? Isn't this a form of segregation? Well, I I hadn't heard any rumblings about that. But if you're saying that people are happy that he is in his Somewhere. own his own network universe, I'll say his own channel. Uh, you know, network universe, I'll say. That's a problem. Yeah, why would you want that? Wouldn't you want to see him representing with all these other heroes? You know, I don't, I don't, exactly. I don't get that. I don't get that. And, I, and you know, again, I have, it's to, early. I have to be my It's early. Well, yeah. I keep telling you, it's early. <laughs> with these and, shows. I to, and I have to be mindful, too, that we do see a black actor with albinism, which is pretty cool. So I kind of, I, you know, there's things that are going on that I actually like. Um, and I like the middle. Listen, I love the middle class. I mean, I'm gonna keep it 100. I like well coiffed. Um, uh, the brother, uh, Cress, what's his name? Cress, um, his last name. Cress Freeman. Is that his name? I was about to say Summers. I'm thinking of Cree Summers. <laughs> no, 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 no. The gentleman's first name is Cress. Yes, um, that's correct. I, I, he looks good in a suit. He's polished. Um, it's about education. I mean, there's a lot they could do. In that setting, with you know, just kind of showing black intelligence, black scholarship. I mean, if they're thinking outside the box, they could do they could and, do some stuff. And Deborah, here you go again. Just like you said, the Brits seem to get it right. If you remember, I'm going to go back to this film and go back to it all the time. Attack the block. Yeah. Even these hood kids, they got to, the, the hood kids. They got to fight aliens at least. We can't. Get, and we got Black Lightning fighting drug dealers. Shout out to the meteor man. Look, one of the we have another call. We're bringing that caller in a second, um, and we'll keep you on as well. Q, uh, the part that is frustrating, and the, that is funny, that the movie that they did not want to do, and I've said this ad nauseum about Marvel. I mean, some folks would like to tell you, oh, Marvel always wanted to do a, a, a Black Panther movie. I mean, yeah, um, we know that Wesley Snipes had the rights, but it, it, listen, the idea of trying to sell blackness on a global scale up until now appears to, appears to have been a difficult thing. Amy Pascal, Sony, then Sony president or Sony executive, uh, when they did that, that, that leak from the Sony emails, you heard what she thought about Denzel Washington. And Denzel Washington can open a movie, unquestionably, but there were still concerns about a black man being able to sell a film overseas. Now we may be on the precipice of a of a if not a billion dollar movie maybe closing in on those kind of numbers we don't know what kind of numbers black panther may, may make but what makes it very frustrating for me q is that white people are tired of the same old same old when you when you're thinking of all these things just you and i are just kind of kicking it right now on air there are so many stories that would be just interesting that are that are just different that anyone would want to see what, who wouldn't think of the? I mean, it's a no-brainer after the countless invasion movies. 
maybe you might want to do an invasion movie in not the suburb. Maybe E.T. goes to, I don't know, Brownsville, or even, not even, maybe even not, maybe even a black suburb. Maybe he goes to Prince George's County versus going to Burbank. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? The idea, but these white folks, and I hate to take a, take a dump on them uh, all the time, but it is what it is. The idea that a magical HBCU doesn't make you, doesn't make you feel like, wow, that's something I never saw before. A whole legion of white people said, as a cartoon even, they couldn't even green light that as a cartoon because it was too weird. But they but through Rick and Morty, and I love Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty does the psychedelic and the weird all day long. Now, a black version of Rick, Rick and Morty, we can't seem to see that. And it was going on Twitter, trending on Twitter like crazy. Even so much that J.K. Rowling had to, had to acknowledge it, Q. Now, she has now these dumb, dumb nignogs. I gotta put it that way. That are asking for a asking for a, a hashtag Black Hogwarts. She actually has one. Wagadu, Wagadu, and I mentioned this a few shows ago. Wagadu is the Ugandan Black Hogwarts. Now I suspect because she's a billionaireist, if we see the numbers come in on a Black Panther, I expect to see a a Wagadu on screen. I would love to see. African black magic on screen, done faithfully. Let's see what that looks like. Let's see what the numbers look like. I'm just saying. Let's go to. I'm gonna keep you on. Let's go to eight four five. Cat, can you get that? My 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 board uh, boards are like sticking. Hello. Eight four five. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Uh, you could you could you need to raise the volume a little bit. You're kind of low. Can you hear me now? Perfect. Welcome to welcome to the Grindhouse. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Yeah, this is Jacob from Brooklyn. How are you guys doing today? Very well, man. Very well. What's up with you? What do you guys? What was the main topic again? Because I, I kind of got lost. I'm sorry about that. I, I didn't really read the title. Well, right now we're talking about the Black Lightning premiere. Black, Black Lightning showed up on the CW last week, so we're just talking about our impressions of the first episode. Oh, I got you saying. Oh, oh, kind of like all these black superheroes coming down. Like got the Black Panther coming out next month. Yeah, I was kind of wondering the same thing. But you know what I noticed though, and tell me if I'm wrong about this. Like for instance, we got a racist president in the White House, right? Obviously, there's no arguing that, right? But you notice that every time for everything the white man does that's evil, they kind of give us a little trinket, so to speak. Like, hey, you know what? We got a racist president, but, hey, let's give these black people superheroes on TV. They can kind of calm them down. I noticed that, kind of like black president, right? We had, like, a black president a year ago or so. But, yeah, look at all these police shootings that's going around. It's it's almost like for every positive, there's a negative or vice versa. Like, sometimes I don't know if I'm just overdoing it, if I'm just, um, um how can I say it? If I'm just, um, just overthinking it. Overthinking it. I don't know, man. Like, you guys tell me. That's a good question. Um, I have my I have my spin on it. Um, let's hear from the captain, captain and Q, and then I weigh in. He does does what this gentleman say is he, is what he's saying has some uh, validity. That that you know the powers that be give us these products to kind of calm us down while they bring back segregation <laughs> or slavery. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts about what he's asking? 
let's go to uh, let's go to the, to the captain and then the Q storm. Well, there may be a little bit of that. I don't know how much. You know, we we don't want to get too conspiratorial, but if you start to look at all the evidence, there might be a little bit of that going on. There could be some of that going on. But sometimes also in society, it's just a time for certain things to happen also. You know, that that's in there too. So you, you're dealing with all of that. It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag right now in respect to that. Back to you, Affleman. Q? Your impressions, and I'll give you my thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't know. If there's, I don't, I don't think that's coming into play. I, I don't think Hollywood's going to do anything to say let's make you, let's make them guys feel, let's make them feel good. We'll just put this out there to make them feel good. No, they're about the dollar. They're about the bottom line. And um, you, I mean, Black Panther's been around since 1963, 64. When did it come out? 66. So it's like 60, oh, 60. Yeah, the year I was born. Okay. Um, I just gave my age out on 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 air. Uh, but so when you have this superhero, um, this thing going on since Bat the, the Batman trilogy from Christopher Nolan, you know they had to put out a Black Panther. They had to get rid of that creep. Whoever said we can't imagine a Wakanda, it was coming. It was long overdue. So I don't think they. This is this is beyond Trump. You know, putting Black Panther. Right? It's about money and it's about due. Wonder Woman came out. They didn't do that because, oh, let's just make the women happy with this Me Too movement. No. They they wanted to make money. And, you know, look at Star Trek Discovery. It's got a black lead. It's got a um, – well, it did have an LGBTQ couple, uh, a lot of people of color in positions of power. And, you know, looking at the producers, you, you can tell they're that liberal elite well, – not, not elite, but they're that liberal Hollywood clique. And they're doing this because they think – they are doing something to make a progressive statement. I don't think it has anything to do with feeding us scraps or anything like that. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you my impressions. I think he's asking a very fair question. And I think what, what makes it um, – makes me think the opposite, though, and, and I don't do the conspiratorial thing either. I think what's happening is that the, the last thing that Hollywood wants to do is give black pride. Um, Hollywood is not in the business of black pride. Asian pride, all these people of color, all this stuff, they're not doing it. I tell you, what really goes down is the continuation of a minstrel culture. When you see the Cardi B's, the Migos, uh, the little Uzi Verts, all that, when you listen, you're a New Yorker. When you listen to Charlemagne's uh, uh, Breakfast Club and 97.1, well, to a lesser degree, 97.1, but 105, their lyrical content at 7 a.m., Really listen to wrap it up, wrap it up, bag it up, bag it up, all that stuff, that mumble rap, and what they're actually saying. That is a problem. I think that the Trump administration would probably prefer the the minstrel music where we can't hear the alternative stuff that black people are doing. That, to me, is more in line with them. Having a Black Panther is actually a dangerous notion because you're, cause it, it's it's showing – um, uh, black excellence. It's, it's a guy that runs his own country. That's super intelligent. He has a, a, a women that are kind of his Amazon, Amazonian style um, uh, bodyguards. He is a thinking in control black person. They do not want to show that on screen. Trust me on that. Anytime you see black people thinking, super science, uh, you know, being ma- mathematical, figuring out equations, they do not want that. They didn't want you to read. A hundred and something years ago. They still don't want you to read. 
I talk about I, I mentioned this. I, I, I mentioned it again. I, I can't help but mention this thing. Story going back fifty years called Judgment Day. Uh, the Judgment this Judgment Day comic book story was controversial and was banned simply because the the the, the astronaut in the story you couldn't see his face, but when he finally took off his helmet, it was controversial to show the notion of a black astronaut. That was a banned comic book. And when it went to went to this comic book trial, you know the 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 the, uh, the judge in this comic book thing, he said, "Well, we can't have them thinking they could be astronauts." That was 1953. So anytime you have black folks in science fiction and fantasy, it's dangerous. So that's why I'm led to believe that what you're asking for, what you're saying, is not really. I think it's more about money, globalization, and ju- it's just time. But they, white folks don't want to see these, – these white nerds detest black heroes and black excellence on some level. Not all of them. Not all of them. But they're, they're fighting – look, what, look what happened. We even talk about this, Catherine. This is another topic. Can I, can I say something look, real look, quick, though? Well, hold on. Let me finish this one point, and I'll bring I you in. Look, look what happened with this, this Star Trek – I'm sorry, Star Wars. Star Wars Last Jedi, that was a, that was a bootleg. That was edited to remove all the women from Last Jedi. What's that all about? Why did they do that? It's the same thing. They don't want to see. They don't want to see um, certain people in certain positions. Go ahead with your question. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, um, like with that Black Panther movie that's coming out, people are trying to have me look. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if people were reaching, but some people are having me look at kind of like the negative aspect. So like, for instance. If you look at all the other superheroes, like white characters, you don't really see them in, like, really weird-looking ways. I mean, yeah, the characters might have some, like, deformity because of some, like, mutation. But, I mean, look at with um, Black Panther, how they got one this one black guy with this big thing in his mouth that makes his lip go, like, they have us looking like these weird, you know, like the worst part of African culture where, uh, like, you know, you take the Africans, they look really crazy-looking. They have some of us looking really crazy with that, like with this one black guy, I think in black, he had like a green suit on, and he had this big thing in his mouth, this big metal piece in his mouth. Like they were telling me, my friend was telling me, that's some of the shades you got to look at, because white people are never going to try to make us look 100% like great, like, you know, it's going to look so superb, you're proud of it. They were going to put a little shade there. So I want to ask you guys, do you think, like, these people are overreaching. You think it's reflecting the culture because it's Africa. There's not. They're not really trying to like you know make us look crazy or something like that. Well, I got I, I got something for you. I got something for you on that. Or I got something for you because I thought about that too. But I thought about that from a Euro mindset. Uh, part of being black in this country is that we've been damaged with kind of a European way of thinking. Uh, if this is going to be at least a shadow. Listen, this is going to be the, the American version of Africa. Let's not, get, let's not get it twisted. This is Disney's version of Africa. We were fortunate enough to have uh, black folks behind the scenes, Ryan Coogler. So there's a number of things going on where because of the times that we, we are in, just like Wonder Woman had to have a, a female director. I mean, that's just, you know, you got to be politically correct. So they have black people involved in this thing. But be mindful of something. When you look at this from a Euro-African perspective, because we've been damaged, uh, that is an aspect of Africa. Body augmentation with, with the, the lip in the, I mean, with the, the uh, plate in the lip, that is a tribal thing. Now, we may not understand 
Hello? Yeah, I think he got kicked out. Cap, are you there? Is the caller there? Yeah, I'm still here. I think I think the other dude got kicked out. Cap, are you there? Wow. Well, caller, what did you think about what he had to say thus far? Oh, I was listening. I wanted more information on that. He was saying some, you know, he was saying some deep. So, you know, I was hoping he'd get it back to finish what he was saying. I don't know how Cap and Afroner dropped. Yeah, Block Talk Radio uh, it has, I don't know, it has a lot of bugs. I have a lot of people complaining about it. I don't know what's going on with Block Talk Radio. It's been acting uh-huh. up lately. Well, I, I'll just say, you know, I I don't know, unfortunately, I don't know the ins and outs of African culture and but he was on he was on to something talking about body augmentation. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, I think right. that's a part of African culture, so I don't know why anyone would say that it looks weird or are they trying to throw some shade to these characters. I mean, that's... You know what it is? You know what it is? Because as a black man, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm Haitian. I'm from Haiti, right? I came okay. here when I was six years old. And Say passe. White people... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's back. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, my point was, what I'm trying to basically say, anything white people give to us, I question thoroughly. Because you notice that when they show black people or black countries, they show it in the worst possible way. Like, when's the last time you've seen a European nation? Like, for instance, imagine you want, you're watching TV. When's the last time they ever showed a European country in a bad light? You never see that. They always showed their country to be in the best positive look, especially with the people. Like, I've even read articles where white people go out of their way to find the best-looking Europeans to represent them on TV, to represent them on anything. But yet with us, they always find the worst type of black people who hardly can speak English, their teeth is missing. Like, they find the most least attractive Negroes to put on TV. Because let me tell you something. I've, I've had the opportunity to travel throughout America. And trust me, I've seen some crazy-looking white people that you'll never – you will barely see on TV. White people do everything in their power to not show these type of white people on national television. You might see them once in a blue, but you're not going to see them on a regular basis. But for us, for some reason, and let me tell you, like when I was young, right, when I was like six, seven years old, and I used to watch a lot of TV because I stopped watching TV since I was like 15, 16 because I just realized it was programming me to, to think a certain way. But when I was seven, eight years old, just watching all this TV, I used to really look at my black skin and my black people as ugly beings. Because if you watch TV enough, they take the worst of us and depict it on TV to the point where you start telling yourself, my people don't look good at all. But then when you start traveling, you start exploring other parts of cultures, you start seeing the world for yourself, you're like, wow, look at all these good-looking black people. And you start to be proud of it, and you're like, why don't they show this on TV? And they don't. They show the can, worst of us. Can the I say to the caller? Why don't you... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Thank you. Can ahead. I say to the caller that, you know, you, you raise some very enlightening. You're going deep now. You're keeping it 1,000. But what I would say to you is if you go back and look at those people that you, I'm, I'm, the objective you, uh, that you thought were ugly or unattractive and representing the work. If you now that you have traveled and you've seen more, 
I guarantee you, you go back and look at those people, those actors, those characters that you felt were unattractive or unappealing, and you'll see them in a different light. That that's the, not true, man. That that kind of encapsulates what Afro Nerd is all about: Le- enlightening yourself, expanding your mind, uh, not yeah. being programmed. So go back and look at those things that you that you looked derisively upon, and you'll see them in a new light now that you've traveled and you've seen other things. Well, well something else too. And I got to mention this. Let me mention this just for your information. Something you something you may need to be aware of. I've been trying to get this lady on the show. Um, I can't remember her name, but she has she has uh, a book series called Vintage Black Glamour. Remember, or Google, Vintage Black Glamour. You look at black folks in those pictures, they are absolutely stunning. Stunning. Yeah. Her name is Nichelle, Nichelle Gaynor, I think her name is. Like Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek. Her name is Nichelle Gaynor, and it's Vintage Black, uh, vintage black Glamour. So when you see someone like Sidney Poitier getting a uh, Academy Award, I think in 1964 for Lilies in the Field, uh, you see people like um, uh, uh, Duke Ellington and all those people. And you go, you can go in the past, or you can go even to the, into like the black exploitation, black exploitation period, where you see fine ass uh, Pam Greer and Gloria Hendry, and I mean. Black folks really, to me, back then looked better then than they do now. If you want to keep it 100, we were many of us were thinner, more athletic. You see a, a young Jim Brown kicking ass, uh, uh, putting his tongue down Raquel Welch, Welch's throat. One, 100 rifles, 1967. Uh, calm, calm down, calm down. <laughs> no, I'm just keeping it 100. They, they, listen, you have to know where to go. Look at some vintage photographs of the Harlem Renaissance. This is, what's, this is what's frustrating for me is that I know this stuff, and I try to impart it, impart it on, our, on our listenership. But we're coming back again. When you look at Black, Black Panther, I mean, listen, we don't know how Black Panther is going to turn out. We don't know. But the way the mythology is, this is ready to be careful. The mythology is that that character is supposed to be smarter than Tony Stark. He's supposed to be wealthier. He runs his own country. This is supposed to be the most technologically advanced country, not just Africa or the continent, but Wakanda is the most technologically advanced country in the Marvel Universe. So it's supposed to be somewhat on par with Asgard. So that's the way it's supposed to be. And so we're going to see how, how badass that movie is going to be. And I tell you, if they show it the way it's supposed to be, it's not going to be taken well by racists because they're already feeling a certain way as it is now. I'm hearing people on YouTube where they don't like black people kind of congregating and this whole Panther so lit. And I mean, like the whole I'm, the whole like fervor by black people is is making you, white people feel uncomfortable. Did you guys hear about how they took um um what's that black guy again? Edris um Elburn. Edris Elburn. Forgot his name. Edris. Again. Yeah, like he was gonna play the um yeah, he was gonna play the black James Bond and white people had a fit. Like they were like white people were really upset hearing that this black man would play James Bond and they were so upset that they they were gonna protest. They 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 shut it down. They completely shut it down. Well you know what? You know what? I'm gonna go I'm gonna keep you on hold because we don't have another call. But I wanna say this to you briefly. Uh I don't disagree with that per se. Maybe they went a little a little extra with that, but 
we don't need to take on the black the white man's clothing. There could be another spy in the in the James Bond mythology where he has his own thing. But but every time we have to have the black version of a white thing, that's kind of sucker s also. That's some sucker but, stuff. But see, black Hogwarts. You saying exactly how I feel about black Hogwarts now? Yeah. Well, the difference is is that J.K. Rowling came up with uh, the Wagadu. She came up with a Ugandan version of that. Uh, that's that was her own her own idea. Um, and even and even this Lucas Brothers cartoon, if it ever gets made, it's a magical historically black college. It's still getting into black culture. It's our own spin. It's not literally having a, a, a black Harry Potter. Like, in other words, having an actor, he all of a sudden is Harry Potter, but he's black. We don't need that. We can come up with our own magical-ish. You know, you can, you can riff off of some of the white stuff, but you don't have to take on the role. Like, we had, you literally had black honeymooners, what, a few years back? Cedric the Entertainer? He was Ralph Cramden. That's unnecessary. Just rings of laziness. And it's, 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 it's corny. We can do better. Anyway, caller, continue listening. You will get the information. I told you about vintage black glamour. There's a lot of stuff to go on. Black folks got it going on, but we got to root out some of the minstrels. The, the, the people that make us look bad, the gold teeth, the Migos, the pants sagging, the bad English. Yes, and there's black folks that are behind some of that stuff too. You know, there's some that's that's problem. It's not always about white people. It's black folks that are willing to to take a check to become a coon. That is that issue as well. Continue listening. We appreciate it. Let's go to the DMV 703. I believe this is Black Ronan in effect. Black. Yes, yes, it is. How is how's it going, fellas? Very good, man. Very good. Uh, just getting back. Um. Like everything you say, guys are saying um, uh, about the issues within Hollywood with image and media, um, but you know that's that's what you know white supremacy is all about. It's about controlling image. So image is power. So I think uh, you guys kind of kind of you know discussed that you know and and and, and made that point. Um, and image in all forms of music and media, movies and everything. So uh, good stuff. Well, listen, man, my fellow Hamptonian. You know, listening to checking out this Black Hogwarts thing, and the fact that the Lucas Brothers, again to the listening audience, the Lucas Brothers are these twin comedians, twin black comedians. Uh, I believe I saw them in one of one of the. Uh, they look like like dual younger Spike Lee's. I mean, just visually, <laughs> you know. And they're, and they're, they're, it's, first of all, it's kind of cool that we see a a sibling comedic act. You know, we remember the Smothers Brothers years ago in the '60s, but this time we're talking about actual twins. Um, and they they had this this cartoon I was unfamiliar with that was on FXX. I think it was called the Lucas Brothers Moving Company or something. And they had kind of a, a kind of a dry sense of humor. But the fact that they said that they were uh, pitching a black Hogwarts or a black magical HBCU, and all these white folks that were the decision makers thought it was weird. Although uh, uh, Rick and Morty is allowed to be weird all day long. And that it, tr- it, it trended on Twitter. I, I'm, I'm kind of like, how would you – first, a magical different world. Really? Who wouldn't think – I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's crazy enough to work. Even I, – even I, I tweeted out Reginald Hudlin. Reginald Hudlin said I would read the book. I want, I want him to make the comic book. We need to have our own version 
of Rick and Morty, okay, but it's not Rick and Morty. It's magical HBCU in a comic book and an animation form. The merchandising on that should be off the hook. I'm just saying. I did want to say one thing about uh, Wagadu. Um, that's, really, right. that's really not J.K. Rowling. That's actually um, part of African mythology from West Africa. Um, they actually had a, a legend. I believe it's like somewhere, but I believe somewhere in the Mali area about the, uh, uh, the city of Wagadu. So I've heard about Wagadu years ago, long before J.K. Rowling. So I was reading no, Darius. I, I, no, I know that, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about yeah, that yeah. is the name of her school. Yeah. That's what she's naming it. Yeah. Listen, uh, I'm aware yeah. of what you're saying. And we know that yeah. J.K. has gotten into trouble when she was doing the, yep. the, the, the Fantastic Beasts, and she was referencing Native American mythology. Native yep. Americans didn't yep. take kind to it because, you know, she's kind yeah. of tapping and she's cultural appropriation, whatever. That may, be, that may be an issue. But if she does decide to go into this whole Black Hogwarts thing, well, listen, she's already crafted that, and she named the school Wagadu, even though that's already a part of, of, of African lore. I think it's. I think if she gets the right people, this is this is what's that right. issue. When these white people yeah, yeah. do do these things, they need to have African assistance, African exactly. uh, consultants, so it rings yep. some some truth to it. That would be the hotness. Yeah. At the very yeah, least, let's bring some let's bring some people in to add to it. You know, but I I'm wondering if she will ever if she will pull the trigger because she seems to be I she think, seems oh. to be acknowledging. Some of the stuff that's going on in Black Twitter, I'm just saying. I, I think I think the money's on the I think the money on the table alone would would, would do that. I think that, I mean like you said before a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of money out there with a lot of these ideas, whether it be African, Asian, Indigenous people. I think I think the money would, would bring her in, even even if she's not directly involved. She's just like you said, kind of overseeing with a team of people and letting them do the work or whatever it is. I, I could definitely see with her just kind of put her name on it, kind of put her you know stamp on it, or whatever, or, or opening up that whole world, make it more, make it more of a world thing than just a than just a you know England, uh, Britain thing. That to me sounds sounds brilliant. I actually like you like the idea of well, I don't like calling it Black Hogwarts, but yeah, I do I do like the the, the concept of a um, black magical type school or whatever. That 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 sounds that sounds pretty cool. Well, she, listen, she seems not to be um, reticent about expanding the Potterverse. So you have an American right. Hogwarts. You have an American Hogwarts. The sequel is coming up real soon. Um, and the fact that there is a Japanese version, there's a South American version. I think there's even a North African maybe. I mean, you know, listen, uh, Egyptian mythology, I mean, you, you'd, be, that, you'd be an idiot not to explore that if you're going to do it in a, in a Potterverse way. So, I mean, yeah, this woman has – she has more money than God. So, you know, what, you don't like money? I mean, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is, but it's got to be done right. You start messing yeah. around other people's yeah. cultures, you need to get some people in there that know the culture where they can kind of spin it in a respectful way. Uh, sometimes yeah. these people have a tendency to say, well, I, you know, I, they come up with these ideas, and they just take it, and they don't respect it. That's what might be a problem. But I would like to see uh, a Wagadu on screen. So that, that's oh, yeah, interesting to me. Yeah, I would love to see that. Come on, man. I would love to see that. Get back to Black Lightning, though. I, I, I agree with Captain. Um, for the most part, I mean, I like a lot of stuff I saw in in the show, but it, but it definitely was flawed with some of the scripts, um, some of the scripting and everything, some of the scenes. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the costume. Um, uh, I like the fact that it's armor, but I, but, the, but the lighting up part of it kind of bugs me. It looks like a Christmas tree. 
<laughs> lighting up like that with the yellow and blue and everything. That that part seemed a little off. And I, I think it's still early. I mean, it's the first episode. Let's see what happens. I mean, uh, I, I understand Q's, you know, you know, issue with them, you know, always fighting the same type of villains. Um, it seems it comes across that way. But it's the first episode, first season. Let's, let's see where they go. I mean, they already mentioned in the show there's other metas out there within this, this free land, within the city and everything. So, um, and, and if it can help, um, and I know you guys mentioned about being segregated too, about being segregated from the other rest, rest of the Arrowverse. Let's, let's be honest. Okay, we all know it's going to be part of the Arrowverse in some, some way. We already can go multiple dimensions. We already know all that stuff. So it, we know eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to cross over. Um, I, I think yeah. if they take the, you know, you take the tone of the current Black Lightning, though, and, do, and we can see some other ethnic heroes, they can grow like a, almost a little universe there. Just like they did on the Arrowverse with all the different, you know, an arrow with all the different vigilantes and then, you know, so on and so forth. And then have them, you know, interact with those specials or whatever it is. I'm I'm cool with that. Um, and def- definitely, I'm, I'm sure they're going to have some black, brown, yellow bad guys with powers and everything that, that Black Lightning can fight. So, but we'll, 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 we'll see. Well, right, can I ask a quick question? Go ahead, Q, go ahead. I just a quick question. I, I think I've read one Black Lightning book. Stolen. That was in the last couple of years. Uh, so I don't recall the character that well. Does he not? Does he not have a secret identity? Because based on what I saw on the show, I mean, he all he's got on is a pair of goggles. You you know who he is. Is that the way it was in the book? He does not. Everyone knows he's Jefferson Pierce. No, Jefferson Pierce is his secret identity. Uh, in the comic books, of course, he had like this Afro wig mask which would make more sense because, I mean, you know, you're not going to grow your hair that long overnight. So that was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek exploitation um, nod. But uh, in later years, I mean, it's, pretty, it's a pretty faithful costume. Even the, 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 part, of the uh, part of the TV show where you saw, like, his earlier, like, a decade ago, you saw the footage where he was in an older costume. Even that is accurate to the comic book. But, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, if you can, if you can accept uh, Cara Danvers – with glasses on and no one knows who she is, you can accept the black man at night, who, you know, yeah, with goggles on. I mean, you know, come on. Goggles, wait, goggles, a mustache, and a goatee? That's pushing a little bit much, isn't it? Well, listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of black men. And a fresh, black and a fresh fade, time. too? Well, listen. <laughs> that could be yeah, any one of us people. speaking. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, listen. His daughters are going going to get get into this into this gig as well. They have at some point we're going to see them with costumes. You know, so we'll see. Um, so listen, as far as like the acting and kind of like you know the believability factor, it was it was at least it was a little toned down with some of the campiness. I don't want to see too much campiness. So I I kind of think that out of all the shows on the CW, this kind of at least puts me in a more realistic space. You know, even with yeah. some of it, yeah. the campiness. I feel like it's getting a little closer. You know, it's not really touching like the Luke Cages and the Daredevils, but it's kind of getting close. So I yeah. appreciate that. And again, this is a CW show doing that. Got to be yeah. mindful. You know, they, well, they could easily put you on, on that damn, um, you know, on that, that factory, factory uh, line <laughs> with the cookie cutter stuff. They're good for that. I'm going to just say this. Ain't no Negro going to be having no butler. They're not going to no lair. They, Negroes just going to the closet and pull their stuff out. That's, <laughs> that's how that go down. We, we ain't got no back caves. Come on now. On well, the, on the well, principal's listen, salary? 
Come but on. Listen, that now wait a minute, but that that is um well that's not that far fetched, man. I know I have a friend as a principal, he's probably making around one seventy. So uh I mean you know, I, I said that never, somewhat tongue in cheek. I said it's somewhat tongue in cheek. I I know. Well look, <laughs> that's part of the comic book. Part of the comic book is that guy I don't I don't know Black Lightning's mythology as, as good as I really should, but I do know enough that that Taylor, that Taylor was uh, that, that's very much part of the mythology, and that Taylor was I think some kind of CIA agent or something that was that was inadvertently responsible for Jefferson Pierce's father's death, so or he might have been a villain or something, and, and was responsible for his death, and in a in a in a, uh, in a moment of penance, he turns over a new leaf and ends up being quote unquote his Alfred. So the, the tailoring part and having that secret lair, that is very much part of what he used to be. And, I mean, that, that's part of the story. That's not, mm, really, that's not really Black Panther's situation. Like, he doesn't own it. That's his boy hooking him up because of, of a past wrongdoing. That's part of the mythology. So I appreciated seeing that. And who, who doesn't remember that, that actor as, what, Walter Gantz? Wasn't he Walter yeah, Gantz from uh, Yeah. What is that again? Forty eight hours. He's been around for forty eight hours. So I mean that's cool to see him kind of come back into the fold. We got about fourteen minutes remaining to our listening audience. I'm gonna let the, the uh the lines remain open for, for the crew. Uh six four six nine one five nine six two zero again. Six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. Um kind of kind of connected to the uh Black Panther story is that the Mary Sue website, they had an article about the NAACP Image Awards and how some of the actors who were attending, all of them were, were in agreement that, you know, the, uh, you know, the time is now, the, pre-sale, the pre-ticket sales, the advanced ticket sales for Black Panthers telling us something. Um, what I just said before, that the whole notion that black people can't sell overseas is a lie. So, what are your thoughts about, you know, the NAACP coming out this image, the infamous and famous Image Awards coming out with the actors saying that, you know, you can't, you can't keep black people back with the excuse that we can't sell internationally. And I think they even they even referenced this this, this bugs Claire's ear ears as well. She's mentioned mentioned this on the show that Bill Maher. This was in the article. I don't know, six months ago, Bill Maher made some passing reference to China not being accepting of black films. Um, this, may, this, may be, this may be deconstructed with Black Panther, but to a lesser degree, the Fast and Furious films did very well in China with a minority-led cast. So what are your thoughts about what's going on with what, what the actors said at the Image Awards? Q, and then uh, Black. I, I don't know the story that well, but I mean, all I can go on is what I saw when Chadwick Boseman was nominated, what, favorite actor in China or something like that? This was a something few months like ago, last year. So I, I'm going with that. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Bill Maher. I watch the show every Friday. I don't remember him ever saying that, and I'm not saying he didn't. I just don't remember. But, um, you know, I, I honestly don't care what they say, I just know what I want. <laughs> You know, so whether it sells overseas in China, and I don't care, I don't care. I, I just think we are capable of doing whatever they're capable of doing. Just give us a chance. That's all I gotta say. 
Black? Um, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the story either. Um, as far as Bill Mark, yeah, I'm not surprised that you can have something like that. Um, for the most part, um, we, we, I think we all, we all know this from us, you know, you live in New York. I know I live in, you live in New York, now I live in the D.C. area, very international type area, meeting different groups of people, um, that there's always been a lot more love for black people in the world. I mean, and, and, and that's part of, you know, the, the marketing machine of, of white supremacy is always to downplay darker skinned people in other parts of the world. Um, yes, there is going to be some conflict and yes, they do have their own issues. I mean, um, of course you probably know about India. It's got horrible issues there. You know, they got a major rape culture there. A lot of racism, a lot of African students have been attacked over there at universities and, and, and these things do exist, but, but there's always, always been as well a, a lot of love for African African people from the diaspora, whether from America, Britain, wherever, um, around. I mean, you know, uh, Bruce Lee, of course, you know, taught, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, had him in one of his movies and everything, you know, talking to martial arts and everything. So, I mean, there's always been that, that there's always been a connection among, you know, people who've been oppressed in one way or another of color. So I, I I was never buying that. I mean, a lot a lot of that you got you got to take the kind of a grain of salt and understand that a lot. Some of it is also like you know, you know, racism was also one of the, I would say one of the biggest exports of, of America for the last over 100 years. So a lot of this stuff is just spread out from America. So you got you got to kind of take that into consideration. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would I, I was saying that as well. Um, and again, to listening to listening audience, um, I see that we still have numbers here. For those who are on hold, if you'd like to join in, just press one. If you press one, that way we know you want to join in. If not, you can continue listening the way you're listening. Anyway, what you're saying is very important. I think we just don't know really what the deal is with black folks and uh, the imagery internationally. I mean, I know there's some stuff that's out there. You know, I, listen, I land based the corporate hip machine. That that image, you know, the kind of uh, thugged out, gangsterish. Now, you know, uh, the euphemism now is trap music. You know, now the trap music imagery that that is global to a negative degree. That seems to sell globally, but it's a negative. So there's some stuff going on with black folks image-wise that can be problematic on a global scale. But at the same time, sure. but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that's going on where you know Will Smith and the Michael Jacksons and the Princes and all those folks. They did quite well yep. internationally. So I mean, we, mm-hmm. sometimes we we just do not know. There's 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 a an issue, as you just said so masterfully, with the export exporting of white supremacy. That many of these these uh, countries have their own issues with with racism and with their own internal struggles struggles over over colorism. I was just reading something about um uh the, about uh, the Philippines. And how the Filipinos are classified as kind of the the blacks of the Asian race that because they are darker oh, yeah. hued, you know. And, yep. and, and I was reading an article where uh, the person is a Filipino extraction, and this person has said that you know they were very conscious of their quote unquote blackness, and they kind of gravitated toward black culture as a positive thing. But then at some point, uh, other Asians didn't look on that kindly. But like they, they felt comfortable about their blackness. I'm saying it in quotes. But at some point, they, would be, they learned that you know, there was some negative blowback on that. So there, there's, and, and we know the caste system, caste system as you just mentioned, in, in India, yeah. they have you know, in Asian countries, 
and in, in Asian countries especially, as in African culture, countries, as in Caribbean and in Brazil, Brazil and South America and Central America, yep. everyone's into this lightning cream. Everyone's yep. buying lightning cream to look, you know, um, it, it's a problem. You know, um, I, I've mentioned this actress that was heavily criticized and bullied, a Brazilian actress, uh, she and her husband, and this woman's beauty rivaled vanity or rivaled uh, Halle Berry. I mean, she was stunning. She came out on Facebook with her natural hair. I mean, she looked – I mean, there's no way. It's not even subjective. She was fine. Not fine. Fine. I hear that. And uh, her fellow Brazilians, probably some of them black, some of them not, or black and, black and in denial, they called her a monkey. You can't, you can't call vanity a monkey. You can't call uh, Halle Berry or, or, or you know, any other attractive or, or um, Angela Bassett a monkey. It is, it's just – listen, I don't believe you. I'm, I'm looking at the woman. But this is, this is the kind of mindset that's been put out there. So we have some work to do. But I oh, think hey. that, uh, that if Black Panther it's, – it's unfortunate that one movie has to have that, this much weight to deconstruct everything. But you know, maybe, maybe it will do something. And we can ride the coattails on other things. Maybe we can get this this uh, another world. That's the working title for this magical HBCU. Maybe we can maybe we can see that happening. Um, heck, as I said, I'd like to see Milestone Media come back into the fold, but come back differently. Don't redo 1993. Come back like a black image, so to speak. And I say that carefully. Genre comics, kick-ass art. You know, revamp some of these. These uh, the icons and the hardwares and the static shocks. Yeah. I think I think if they did that, they could be off and running. Oh, There's yeah. no stopping yeah. them. I... Five minutes remaining, gentlemen. I'm going to go into one more thing, and we'll have to close shop. The captain has already left <laughs> because he had other things to do. Um, let's, let's talk about this cloak and dagger thing. Now, I, I you know I know it's been out there for a minute. I've seen some footage. They released more footage. And even then, they updated it, which I, I think they had to do. Now, those who are un, unfamiliar with Cloak and Dagger, I think Cloak and Dagger was like a, started out in the early 80s, I think 81, 82, something to that effect. Cloak and Dagger, some of it plays on a trope. Cloak is the black hero. Dagger is the white hero. Cloak is, is uh, his power deals with creating portals, and he's, in, in like a shroud, he's all dark, a boy. You know, if you he can teleport, and he has this black mist around him, this black void. Uh, his paramour, I think, at some point, his paramour is white, blonde, and she's very bright, and she throws out these these white energy daggers, and they kind of re- rely on each other in order to survive because of their. I don't know if they're going to go into that for the TV series, but they kind of, especially Cloak, relies on her power set to, to literally survive. These two are, are interconnected. They're forever linked because of their power set. Now, what they did in the, in the quick snippet was they meet because in a comic book, again, early 80s, early 80s trope, his name is Tyrone. Tyrone steals from her. And then, you know, they kind of connected because of, of, her, of him stealing from her. He's, like, <laughs> impoverished or something to that effect. I think in this one, 
he might be a, a, a Prince George's County black male, middle class, <laughs> and the poor white girl steals from him. Now that part, now the part is funny is that people who were who were looking at the the clip were saying, "Wow, you know, you got to be careful because you got a black male, although he's a clearly middle class young black teenager, he is chasing a white woman." What does that mean? You can get killed for misinterpretation because the knee jerk is he's the thief, she is the innocent victim. It was the other way around. But again, mm-hmm. the the update the update for the eighteenth century for the eighteen for the two eighteen is appreciated. That I needed to see. Because you do have some shiftless white thieves. Let's not get it twisted. Oh yeah, that is definitely. very that is very accurate. So, what are your thoughts about that? About the premise and about the uh, the snippet, freeform, freeform cloak and dagger. Uh, I'm just gonna say pass right here and now. Pass. Really, really. <laughs> Not interested. All I right. saw what something. Didn't they, to, didn't they try to redo that where they were both orphans or something? Uh, in up. in some book that I read a couple years ago. Well, they they were on the run, which might make you might see a crossover with the Runaways. That's what people are already talking. But um, they're on the run because I think something happens with like this corporation that's the cause of their yeah. of their powers. Yeah. But it's not like the conventional runaway kind of thing, like like from bad environments. I don't think that's what's going on. I don't think so. I thought it was pretty interesting. I, well, I didn't see the trail or the 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 whatever you're talking about. I haven't seen it yet, so. It was it was well acted and it was kind of you know it was kind of believable. Um, I kind of dig it, but I mean the interracial romance. I mean there's going to be some folks that might listen. The sisters purportedly, let's hope that was uh, let's hope that wasn't true. <laughs> but they they seem to want to take down a movie because of interracial dating. So I mean this is 20, 2018. I mean it means nothing. That's the she, she they could have made they could have updated with it where they're both males. This you know listen you know what I mean. <laughs> or both females. So I'll, I, pick your poison, uh, uh, Debra. I'll, I'll check it out. Um, I mean, I, I kind of know them. I'm a big Spider-Man fan. I know they were kind of tied to Spider-Man at one point. And I Maybe read, that's uh, what it was. Spider-Man. They were tied to Miles Morales, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought it yeah, yeah, that's where I read it. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the I ultimate version. In the ultimate. Yeah. 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 The yeah, ultimate version. There's a regular version. Yeah. The um. Corporate, you know, shenanigans basically about how to end up, you know, getting their abilities and everything. So I'll check it out. Well, I mean, I'm willing to at least look at it. Isn't it like based in like New Orleans or this time, like in the South? I think it's like based in the South too this time around. That, that might bring a whole lot of other uh, issues. Gentlemen, we got to close shop. Yeah. We got 20, minutes, 20 seconds remaining. Uh, always appreciate you coming through. 510. I wish I could bring you in, but as usually, it gets hot and folks want to get in when it starts to get hot. Anyway, going out on Herb Alt Groove, this is D'Angelo and the Vanguard. Prayer, prayer. Wednesday, folks, we'll be back. It's been real. Peace and long life.